been scared of this episode okay yeah. i have been dreading this episode yeah because uh-huh. this and which is perfect because this is probably going to be the most listened to episode of this entire podcast mm. unless we like get keanu reeves on the podcast <laughs> or have some other happen. like big famous guest right this like carrie is moss. our carrie ann moss yeah uh or lawrence fishburne <laughs> or our right. a wachowski <laughs> This that would be the most fun to get a Wachowski on. I would don't even say uh, such yeah, things. Have him dish I, fanciful I would give notions. Anything to get Lana or Lily on the show. Have him dish but, some hot goss about behind the scenes Matrix stuff. Yeah. Well, what Ooh. if the only the only interview Lana Wachowski gave about Matrix Four was so our here? Podcast. Yeah. But no. But this is going to be. This is Keanu's most famous movie. This yeah. is probably the most influential movie of the past twenty five years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I. It is the movie that I've seen more times than any other movie in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I've already talked about it so much in YouTube videos, on other podcasts, just a, a lot. And so, and then we were hit with this episode. I'm just like, what do we do? Like, what, how do we approach it? What, what do we say about it? Nah, see, you're, I think, I think you're putting too much pressure on it. I mean, that's what I and, tend to yeah. do. Yeah. And what we need to do is we need to have a freaking chill episode yeah. about the Matrix. And we're just we're just chill. Like, imagine being the ages we were when the Matrix came out and just how rad it was to just kick back and watch it. We need to go back to that time. Here, and we need I, to be these young kids. Just We're like a newly a, a newly turned 13-year-old boy. And we just saw the <laughs> Matrix. And we were all younger than that when the movie came out. Yeah, we were yeah. younger than that. I know. I was... Uh, Gosh, I probably was nine. You were nine. Yeah. I was nine when this wait, came out. Wait, 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 wait. No, you turned nine later that year because you were born yeah. in August. That's Here, true. Here, have a little palate cleanser, so, just a little uh, joke that I already told Jake. Yeah, uh, go on. I was thinking, it was making me laugh today, so I was just uh-huh. like, what if um, <laughs> instead of Lars von Trier... Right, it's a large von Rear. <laughs> oh yeah, I did like this. Joke. And his butt is so thick and juicy that he keeps trying to make these like really sad, despairing movies, but everyone's too like lusting after his butt. <laughs> Nobody can concentrate like, on his movie. Stop it! Don't look at it. It's a movie called Antichrist. Off of his butt. Yeah, yeah. he's like yeah. Think People about something like, else. Ooh. But he has like he looks like Timmy Thick. You yeah, know? he's, he's donkalicious. Yeah, and, and like, he's in stop can. it. I'm trying to do uh, Dancer in the Dark. <laughs> the idiots, listen to me. <laughs> and they're just like, dude, the donk is just freaking so clouding my brainwaves right now. Melancholia, the planet, is actually his, supposed to be symbol for of his, his butt. Ass. <laughs> his ass is hitting his the planet ass Earth. eclipsing everything. His else. big Danish his ass. most personal film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He fi- well, like, his ass is destroying his own world. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just about like what it feels like to be Lars von Trier, melancholy. Right. And no, 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 no. Large von Rear. Yeah. 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 Large Vonier. Nymphomaniac and is his dealing the, with the, the like, audience. The audience <laughs> who keep getting horned out seeing Large Vonier. Seeing, seeing this thing. <laughs> I, I also just want to throw it out there to 
uh, our listeners who uh, <laughs> That's who, good. who have made who are, are a talented good bunch. Cleanser. Uh, if anyone wants to Photoshop large von Rear or just do a, a, an original design, yeah, go for it. Wait, did you ever uh, post uh, Neopolitan from on the Instagram? Remember that got emailed to us? Oh fuck, no! I posted the kangaroo Jake, but not. Oh well, here this is our, for our Matrix episode. Uh, we should. I'll... I was saving it for the. I remember that's why I didn't do it. Yeah, yet. yeah, because Neapolitan with Neapolitan ice cream, but it's it's Neo. It's Neo. It, it yeah. rules. <laughs> you get anyway, it. It's got uh, sunglasses on, but it's ice cream. It's delicious. It's awesome. Yeah, I think he has guns too. Yeah, you <laughs> better. Um, so, uh, Matt, after we finished recording the Devil's Advocate episode, you pointed out to me that I completely forgot. In the span of two hours and forty six minutes, I never once did the intro to the podcast. So, yeah. so um, yeah. how about I make make well, amends I'm gonna, and I'm do gonna, it I'm twice? Gonna, I'm gonna make up for that <laughs> yeah. right now, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna do it twice. Hell yeah! Welcome to Can't Get Enough of Keanu, the internet's premier Keanu Reeves podcast, in which we explore the filmography of that great ageless enigmatic Canadian actor, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. I'm Jake Torpy. I'm Matt Torpy. Welcome Hello. to Can't Get Enough of Keanu, the internet's premier Keanu Reeves podcast in which we explore the filmography of that great, ageless, enigmatic Canadian actor, movie by movie. <laughs> I'm Patrick Willems. I'm Jake Torpy. Matt Torpy. This is our episode about the 1999 film... Matrix. Matrix. <laughs> and maybe you were thinking, ah, a little deja vu with the intro. Well, you know what that means. That means... That they changed something. Oh, <laughs> and there's an agent of coming. There's a glitch. Yeah. There's, there's a glitch. Like, what do you think they changed in our podcast? Well, the major. Uh, ooh. Is there like a, just a brick wall around our podcast? Yeah. Wait, wait. We open wait. up the blinds. No, you're I all thought good. it. Oh no. <laughs> I like how you tried oh, to make no. that more audio friendly. <laughs> I did my best. I that was my favorite. That was I was joking about how that was their elegant solution as machines. Yeah. Was to do a Looney Tune style create bricks. <laughs> over the building that everyone's trying to escape from. We, we really missed out on a hilarious gag <laughs> where, like, Mouse, like, runs through a doorway and just slams, like, face first into it and then flops backwards. They don't really discuss yeah. the fact that when you, if you can rewrite your reality in the, in the, to the degree Neo is able to at the end when he achieves messianic apotheosis, mm. uh, he could do Looney Tunes shit. He could do, like, Roger Rabbit shit where he, like, paints a, 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 a you know, a highway tunnel on a wall and then runs through it. But then the other person tries to run through it and they slam into the wall. Wow. That's so true. Yeah. He, he could, could be... stretch his arms really long, like in space jam. Well, he... that's okay. You're really getting into talk about the sequels mm. because, uh, this is a thing that, and of course we'll talk about this when we get to reloaded, especially because <laughs> the only real reality manipulation he does in reloaded is when he pulls the bullet out of Trinity and then like massages her heart back to life right oh right spoilers for the matrix reloaded if nah, you didn't dude. know that by now but uh but that's really it and one of my beefs with that movie is that they established at the end of the first movie that he's a god and can basically do anything and can like tear agents apart and so in the sequel i'm like why is he doing kung fu fights still yeah he doesn't need to do this yeah well, he flexed the wall and made everybody run away this is the yeah, problem like, with this is the this is why like, I don't know. This is ha I'm coming at this kind of half half cocked. I don't really know if this is a true. I truly feel this way, but uh, like, yeah. shoot my brother. The Wachowskis are so balls to the wall in this way that makes them incredibly endearing. And things like you know, um, Jupiter Ascending uh, are like very lovable. Just fucking car crashes, and then right. things like Speed Racer are like surprisingly 
good and like overwhelming. They always go for it 110%. Right. Sometimes it, it works out great, sometimes it doesn't. It's always yeah. interesting. So exactly. this movie but for this movie you can I think and you you will probably know a lot of this information Pat, but like so like for Jupiter ascending, right? That was like clearly a gigantic piece of like insanely dorky world building that right. never got to see itself through which is why the that movie in isolation is very fucking weird and bad and uh <laughs> but like very fun right. um and then for the matrix it's like they made this amazing thing with like more limits because you know there's no way to gauge the cultural impact of whatever you make so right. like it's like Star Wars a little bit where it's like there's this thing that was initially we're gonna, like we're going to talk about Star Wars a lot in this episode. Right. We like have to. a huge fucking like gamble and a passion project and a lot of technical innovation happened within it. And then but there was also some reigns create creatively that again in terms of like a, a trilogy suddenly you saw some of the worse the the less good habits of the the creative mind behind it starting to like get more and more into the fore and and kind of fucking it up a little bit sure yeah you know that I mean? sounds about right it, yeah my belief in in this case like i don't think the wachowskis ever fell into like what george lucas did no they didn't just sit back after a while they never got tired right and like i also i also don't really think that having like and there's the classic case, and I, I got into this with uh, in the Robert Zemeckis video, the case of when a director has unlimited resources, it often hurts them. It yeah. happened to, I mean, it happened to George Lucas. It's like the, the, the original example, uh, you know, happened to Zemeckis, happened to Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. all these people. With the Wachowskis, I think, for me, their weaker movies uh, aren't the one, because like, Speed Racer, again, they had unlimited resources. Right. And I think they put those resources to, like, perfect use because the technical aspects of that movie are insane. Right. And the way, like, they had absolute, like, like a, you know, they could do whatever they wanted. They had all the money they needed. They were able to, they clearly got no studio notes on that thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know that the, okay. <laughs> no notes, just Warner Brothers. No notes. Uh the reason that in Speed Racer, the depth of field, like, goes on forever, like, everything is in focus, they shot the foreground, <laughs> mid-ground... Well, you haven't seen it? No. You haven't seen Speed Racer? No. What have you been doing for the past 12 years? Eating food and sleeping. <laughs> and Jake, breathing, you're killing me. And, I sleep I in know, a big bed freaking... with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sleep in a replica Mach 1. For, uh... <laughs> wait, wait, is it... No, sorry, the Mach 5. I uh, think it's the only Wachowskis thing I haven't seen. Oh, it's very close to their best. Yeah, it's yeah. maybe one of their... Yeah. Have you seen Bound? I've seen Bound. Bound's great. Seen Matrix. Spoilers, I like that movie too. Yeah. You've seen, 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 seen the sequels. Seen, seen, seen Cloud sequels, Atlas. Seen Cloud Atlas. Love all of those movies. But you haven't seen, seen Jupiter Racer. Ascending. Endearing. Uh, but I haven't seen Speed Racer oh yet. Oh my God. You're in for a treat. If you, yeah. liked, if you liked Jupiter Ascending, I know this isn't a perfect analogy but you'll probably like speed racer just right. for like it's got the same joie de vivre yeah there oh. is there is so much ba- there's yeah. boundless fucking energy in that movie and like it it is not cringy because it like fits the tone of this very stupid sub like cartoon it, that existed before it you right know? Mm. oh just to finish saying the thing i was saying about speed racer yeah but if you look at it and you see and, and you think like this looks weird why is everything in focus there's no like 
you know, focal plane, where it's like the foreground is in focus and the background's out of focus, they would shoot for like a dialogue scene. The foreground, midground, background, all of those plates separately, so everything is in focus. So it looks like a cartoon. Because in a cartoon, it, like the focus goes on forever. It's all like everything's crisp. Yeah. And so they were, and like a studio probably would say, no, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, people won't like that. Uh, it will be that. weird. It will confuse audiences, and it did. And uh, but they got to do whatever they wanted. I'm surprised I, that that visual effect isn't somehow disorienting the same way that how Ang Lee is jumping in these high frame rate bandwagon movies, and everybody's like, it's physically nauseating to sit in the theater and watch this. Well, I mean, I remember Will Smith is too crisp. Yeah, I mean, I remember opening night of Speed Racer. Yeah, back in 2008 when I saw it with a handful of friends in a not even half full theater. Mm -hmm. I I remember staggering out of the theater at the end, <laughs> being like Fuck. kind of dizzy and my eyes kind of hurting. And you just puked rainbow cotton candy for no reason. Exactly. You're like, why is my throw up? I, I had pizza earlier. I, I went in, you know, I viewed that movie totally sober, but mm -hmm. like staring at just like the pattern tiles on the floor of the movie theater lobby, I was like getting dizzy because <laughs> the climax of that up, movie, huh? the like the checkered flag just starts like, I mean, it's basically like they said, like, okay, so the Stargate sequence in 2001 A Space Odyssey, what if we could, like, take that way further? Yeah. What if we did that sequence surreal. as a comedy? Yeah. That's but funny. Reminded, you know, it's a great analog. Uh, just speaking of that movie is uh, that anime Red Line. Which I've never seen. If you like Speed Racer. I know. Racer, I've wanted to see it for so long. If you like the Wachowski Speed Racer, you'll like Red Line. It's yeah. fucking mm. tight. And it's I good. believe uh, Red Line was... Uh, made by at least the animation studio that worked on some of the Animatrix shorts. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, So there's yeah. already a connective thread. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but just backing up, uh, Matt, you, the original thing that you raised about the cause of the Wachowski's weaker projects, I believe that, for me, their weakest movies are the, the Matrix sequels and Jupiter Ascending. And in all of those cases, I really just think it comes down to a lack of time on the script. Uh, mm. because with the Matrix sequels, if you consider, like, the first one comes out in 99, and then there's a four-year gap, and in that four years, they wrote, produced, and directed two giant movies, made a video game, and the Animatrix all together. Yeah, it's and a I lot. Th I think they were stretched a little bit too thin, and I think uh, they probably did not have the time to do as many drafts of the scripts for the sequels as they did for... The original. Because The Matrix, they were probably sitting on the earlier drafts of that script, even before Bound, they right? They years writing yeah. this thing. And like, then, Bound and was just a baby step so that they could even get people to believe that they were people who made movies. You right, know? Like, exactly. they were like, we need to make... You have to make a movie before you make The Matrix. You can... You, I feel, I, and and they also... Uh, they, they wrote the screenplay for the... Uh, uh, the 1995 Richard Donner directed movie Assassins, the one with Stallone and Antonio Banderas. Whoa, that sounds too cool. Uh, apparently, they were really not happy with how it turned out because like all of their script was rewritten. Yeah, but hey, but it, it lived on, on in the in the GIF of Zorro? Antonio Banderas looking at the computer screen and then leaning back. <laughs> you know that? GIF? Oh yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's from Assassin. Well, uh, yeah, I mean like. Um, Oh, and the other thing I want to say is, sure. from what I've heard, Jupiter Ascending, they also, uh, because they suddenly got that greenlit, uh, just based on, like, a pitch, they kind of rushed into that movie with, that, with, like, an unfinished script. Yeah, that sounds like something that got greenlit by one of those zany producers, like the guy that I, wanted a me mechanical spider. He's just like, 
Oh, Sean Bean's beans? Yeah, like with the, the bees? Yeah, that sounds Warner good. Brothers yeah. got replaced while yeah. the movie was in production, and the guy who replaced it was like, what the fuck is this? I don't <laughs> Just like walking this on movie. set? Yo, hey. he, but he's not wrong. Yeah, that movie's ridiculous. He's like, so Mila Kunis intimates that she would have sex with a dog maybe yeah, yeah. and you're just like okay well i'm a, i have a couple notes <laughs> the thing about jupiter ascending one note. <laughs> is that more dog cops. it's weird because it feels like a movie that was based on like a popular series of ya books sure yeah. but i mean it's about this like this girl in this big cartoonish family who has the shitty job cleaning toilets who finds out that she's actually a magical space princess and a cool you know, and C-Tate's, like, like wolf spaceman, like, roller skates down from space and whisks yeah. her away on magical adventures. It just seems like like a YA series. Well, yes. then, well, then it's here, awesome. Well, then here's my... I'm still going to, like, criticize the Wachowskis then in, on the level of... Um, Takes more time to write stuff. Yeah, some people who... It, they, they strike me as people who get, like... They're so enthusiastic, and they've maintained a level of, like, creative... Fuhrer for a long time uh, And we'll see What the Matrix 4 has in store For us but like can't wait. It's gonna be good You know th- it's not completely outside of their control They commanded so much they were so in demand And they They could have gotten projects They, they got projects greenlit but then They were the ones that were Like this is now ready or right. like, I'm too excited. They, it strikes they, me as people that are like, I'm too excited. I can't even wait. We'll just figure it out here. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like a, it's like kids in a writer's room, just like pitching like cool shit. And then you're just like stringing connective tissue through it. Whereas right. like, oh, yeah, I, you need to sleep on it. They the didn't sequels, sleep on it. I mean, and again, we're going to do episodes on the sequels. Yeah, that's true. But like, again, but, I think overly ambitious. But right. it's like, like, it's their choice to, to go forward with these things that they seem so passionate about without. Like, like you were saying, limitation is a good thing, and almost like the stumbling blocks to being given money in the first place seem to have, like, made them sit with something and hone it. Right. Like The Matrix, which is... I was struck by how um, elaborate, like, the, the mythology they had to tell in The Matrix is. There's a couple, like, very exposition-y things going on, but otherwise it's pretty, it's pretty tight and efficient. And, like, I was also struck by... Uh, how how much smaller the the like the world they were operating in is and not yeah. in a bad way but like felt to me like, like if you really think about it they're on the, the ship or they're in this sort of like unnamed Chicago esque city and you don't and that's see it. any other yeah. ships you don't go to Zion you don't go to Zion you see one that's where the party would be oh yeah, yeah. you they see a couple models time. of robots um but it's pretty localized and, and I mean like, it, it's con- yeah. it's a little bit like. Uh, not quite to the same extent, but uh, it's a little bit like Star Wars, which, of course, we have to talk so much about because The Matrix was kind of like... It functioned in a similar way that Star Wars did in, in a different generation and kind of changed cinema in similar ways, mm-hmm. but it also has a very elaborate mythology, kicks off a trilogy, and it's also... It gives you... It shows you enough that it feels like there are limitless possibilities to this world and yeah. that there is so much else there even though you really don't see all that much. Right. Like, again, like, Star Wars is basically set on, like, a couple spaceships or space stations and then, like, one desert planet. 
And then I guess like a little bit in like the Yavin base, but you barely <laughs> see any of it. But like, doesn't even no, count. It's just the tip of the Yavin base, right? But but you get the idea that like, oh my god, there's all these planets out there. Yeah. I mean, we see one of them explode in the distance, but we're like, but that was a planet. <laughs> and similar, yeah, with the Matrix, you <laughs> don't cool aliens on it or something. Yeah, there's Not like anymore. in the Matrix, there's a you see a relatively small cast of characters, relatively like a limited geographical areas, but I uh, but it. It feels like it's way bigger than it yeah. is. Yeah, right. And what minimal cast is in this movie gets killed off, like almost half of them. It's crazy. Yeah, not like this. Yeah. yeah. Um, guys, let's rewind. Let's go way back in time. Okay. Mm-hmm. How, when, and how did you guys first see this movie? Was it together? I remember. You go first then, because we shared the experience. Wow. All right. Tell me how I saw The Matrix then. Our parents. Well, you were a little eight-year-old. I was a baby. Yeah, I was making pupae. So maybe, diaper. maybe, maybe you should talk about when you actually were like cognizant of it happening yeah. to you. But you go first, and I will just have to vicariously live through your story. Uh, so I didn't see it until it came out on VHS. Um, uh, we were living in New Jersey at the time. Uh, our, I remember that my father, who again famously only got excited for maybe two movies that I've ever noticed. And one of them was Godzilla. And one of them was Godzilla <laughs> from 1998 or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the year before. Yeah. Also, side note, right before we started recording, we were talking a lot about the 1998 Godzilla. Wait, <laughs> waiting for that sequel to drop. There were eggs in Grand Central. Yeah. And uh, like, or sorry, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I remember like I saw the DVD or the, the VHS in our house. Were you aware of it in theaters? No, I was like pretty un unplugged. I I I would walk occasionally past the local theater, like it, when I because I could sometimes walk home from school, and I would look at the marquee, and sometimes I would then I would know, like I demanded to see the mum the first mummy. Oh my god! Because so I, I saw the fucking poster, and I was like, "This is yes." I remember I saw an ad for that on TV, and immediately ran to my mom, and I was like, "I want to see the mummy. It looks like the coolest movie <laughs> in the yeah. world." The, like. With that movie, just the image of the the big sandstorm with the face with the in mouth, it, yeah. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm so in. That's- I know. It was one of those things where I'm like, Mom, take me to this movie. And she's like, Matt, come on. We don't need to do silly things like that. And then I just started like doing that thing where like I started hitting myself like Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no one will believe you. <laughs> mm, CPS. Yeah. Uh, maybe we've gotten a ring yeah, pretty soon. Get a visit from a couple federal agents. Uh, <laughs> Mom. Uh, but yeah, so like, I, I remember it was this weird thing where it was rated R, but my parents were like, we watched this. We, it's pretty tame. They watched it first. Yes. Ah. They'll vet they were, movies every now they and were, then. They were, they were so pumped about the VF, VFX and like just the movie. And they were like, we've watched this. We noticed you watch a lot of the sci-fi channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we think, think this is observing. actually fucking awesome and, and you should watch it. Like they were like literally like. Dude, you sh- they were literally like, dude, check it out. <laughs> and they popped it in, and I remember sitting down on the couch and watching it on our TV. Hmm. And it, came, it had a cool uh, VHS, like, sort of yeah. shiny cover. and Yeah, and my little mind was fried after seeing that. I loved it. And I guess I was on the couch with you? You were around, yeah. 
Yeah, probably my head was just stuck in between the cushions because I was just doing something else that was stupid. Just right. sucking on Using the couch. Using your dumb imagination or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so thinking, Patrick, thinking about... Matt's watching the TV and drinking your face away from the TV sucking on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Teething still yeah. at eight years old, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Completely nude, teething, <laughs> shitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, your brother Ben, the one below you, is wearing a suit while you're yeah, just there. He, he puts down the Chronicles of Narnia to... <laughs> oh, oh, we're putting on oh, a film today. Oh, oh. sorry. Oh. A vulgar art. I'm going into the next room to read. Yeah. Uh, um, please turn the volume down. <laughs> it's so funny to think of Ben like that. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so dumb. Trust me, listeners, if you if you knew Ben, you would you'd be laughing your ass off Dude, right you'd now. You'd be raffle He's copters. actually much smarter than me, but that's okay. Yeah. He's Ooh, a yeah. genius. Uh, he, he does. Me- he helps people. He, he helps people. people. He doesn't yeah. talk about yeah. Keanu Reeves. But ben, whatever. Come on the podcast. Whatever. Yeah. He's stupid. I'm cool actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so yeah, it was like, I, I actually had a fairly, aside from some maybe key things, I think I watched a lot more TV than you did as a kid. But I mean, what you had, as we've established, accidental cable. Mm-hmm. I did, actually, I had, I had recently gotten cable when this movie came out. But I'm saying uh-huh. my, my seminal viewing experiences that were film were very similar to yours. I think it was Jurassic Park, The Matrix, Toy Story. These things kind of were what destroyed right. my brain initially. Yeah. yeah. And Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Oh, Especially the second one, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> Which came out the same year as The Matrix. Yeah. You, I'll never forget the, uh, that, I think it was that first teaser trailer for The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah. Which uh, I just recently rewatched on YouTube, as you do. Uh, I just like watch, going back and watching old trailers. Yeah, nice, uh, man. It's cool. It, there's like a, it's a big buildup, and it's like, this summer, the return of a legendary <laughs> villain. Because don't forget, it was the summer of The Phantom Menace, which is the biggest movie in the world. Oh, right. they were and, doing uh, some funny yeah, meta marketing. And, and it looks like the camera's flying through what looks like maybe the, the Death Star or something, and you pretty much go up to like the Emperor's throne room from Return of the Jedi, and the chair spins around, and it's Dr. Evil, and he goes, were you expecting someone else? Aww. But then, but wait, <laughs> the, the tagline was so great. He goes, if you see one movie this summer, see Star Wars. <laughs> but if you see two movies... See Austin Powers, the spy who shagged That's me. Funny. I love a little That's self-awareness, great. you know? Also, just, just being like, we all know that we're not as important as that other movie. Yeah. Give no, yourself it's a, good. Give yourself a little credit, Austin Powers. Guess who, guess who gets quoted more? Honestly. Still. What are you talking about? I'm always... Yeah, baby! Me said Jaja Binks. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, you're right. That one was way If you way. ever say that <laughs> in a social setting, you will not be... My friend for that moment until that person goes away. No, Goldmember, I think, had the more quotable lines. Goldmember uh, was a big uh, uh, foundational film for me. You say that, but you're forgetting that Spy Who Shagged Me introduced Fat Bastard. Oh, yeah. And everyone that summer was telling people to get in their belly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone was, anyone who was anyone was telling someone to get in their belly. You know what stuck with me more is when Austin drinks Fat Bastard's diarrhea and he goes, it's a bit nutty. That always stuck with me more. Yeah. Yeah. He had like a corn on his lip. That's gross. That's nasty. But I remember that stuck with me more. And I remember a lot of vagina because I was like, even as a child, I was like, I'm a little more bar- that no, I was I, not even horny. I was I was like, that's barely a pun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is lazy writing. Yeah, I was like, come on. Yeah. I I think I've already said this to you guys, but like I have actively considered just doing a video revisiting that whole trilogy. Because it's just weird that it's a trilogy. The Austin awesome Powers is. movies? 
Yeah, it's like you can see there being a sequel. It's weird that it's a trilogy. Well, you it take, kind of. It's also weird that there's a Hangover trilogy. Yeah, that's weirder are just to me. Weird. That's trilogy, weird to me, Hangover. Like the 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 trilogy as a narrative form. It is interesting because we. But I remember also like in that time period, maybe there were more trilogies than there were now. But also, we were like we bunch. were obsessed with book series. Like things had to be like. Things had to be the Animorphs or Everworld yeah. for me to be interested if in If this isn't the Animorphs, I don't care. Yeah. Dude, you know who's Everworld really... unsung? K.A. Applegate, come on the show. <laughs> yeah, Everworld and freaking Remnants. Yeah. Oh, Remnants, Underrated. Yeah. Better than Animorphs, arguably, because they're tighter. You know, it's a tighter series. And it's, it's more dark. Yeah, it is more dark. Animorphs gets dark with the child soldiers and the things, but like, uh, yeah, dude. You know who else does uh, trilogies a lot is Large Von Rear. He he yeah. does trilogies too. He he does like thematic trilogies about booties and and clapping cheeks and stuff. I think. <laughs> well, like series of unfortunate events. That was another big one. Oh oh, that that left a huge impact. Yeah, on me. A series of fortunate events. Yeah, yeah that came along later. That yeah, came along come later. Post Harry Potter. I'm trying. I'm dancing around the fact that I have no memories of watching The Matrix oh, for the first time. Jake, Sorry, you haven't seen Speed Racer. You can't tell us about seeing The Matrix for the first time. I I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to think that The Matrix, The Faculty, and The Relic were the same movie. <laughs> and That's I was so like, what is all these the faculties and relicies? You sound like an 87 year old man. <laughs> what Jake, are all these faculties? Jake, I say this with love and acknowledging that you are a very smart person. Yeah. When you say stuff like this, it sounds like you were a dumb child. I know. Well, the th- yeah. I mean, I didn't see this movie. And, Jake uh, was too worried about like air quality and jumping spiders and <laughs> how fizzy soda would be where it would make his nose I did, hurt. I did not like fizzy soda. <laughs> I was like, why would people drink this thing that burns? Jake came out of the womb yeah. just with the neuroses that would make Woody Allen look like fucking a Zen Buddhist, <laughs> and then and then like lost them all. I lost them all through a through a, through a what, series what is of like that mystical forest vision journey that like the Native Americans used to go on. Walkabout. I would do like a walkabout. Yeah. It, oh, it's great. I, but well, in Madison, New Jersey, so I did a walkabout <laughs> into just into the turnpike. Yeah, just out into the turnpike. <laughs> Get the fuck! I got hit by a bunch yeah. of cars. Got some brain damage. Wasn't scared anymore. <laughs> by the way, this is all I'll say about it. But just earlier today, I wrote in that line about walkabout into the short film script. Oh, you got a walkabout line. Remember in there? we talked about this before. Nice, dude. Don't tease any more of it. That's yeah. all you get. It's yeah. a little sample. Does well, anyone need an actual narrative summary of this film? I want to talk about what I saw. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me share. Oh, I forgot that this was... This time. is the most influential movie for Pat. This, true. It's, this movie They've, genuinely changed my life. They all heard about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You have eight video essays about this. <laughs> true, but I, I don't think I ever talked about seeing this movie for the first time. Go, I'm sorry. Shoot. Fair point. Okay. JK, okay, bro. So <laughs> when this movie came out in theaters, I remember yeah. I was in fifth grade. Uh, I was interested in it because I would obsessively read movie reviews in the newspaper. They would usually be Roger Ebert's reviews, but I was also obsessed with the capsule movie reviews. You know, how there'd be like a full page with just like the like reviews of all the current releases boiled down to like one paragraph. Yeah. And it was with them with like the star rating. And I remember being so fascinated by The Matrix 1. It would say something about... I would see the ads on TV, and I was like, there's something where people, like, they bend backwards. And is that, does that, is that how they go into the Matrix? What is it? And, there were, <laughs> and the reviews always had, always, it was like three and a half stars out of four, the capsule review. And it had references to Alice in Wonderland. And I was like, what is it? It yeah. seems cool, but it's also rated R. And I was a, a rule-abiding child. And oh. I, the thing is, I had seen R-rated movies, usually because 
my dad would just rent movies that he had seen like 15 years earlier and be like, the, the kids will love this. Straw and- dogs. Come <laughs> here, Pat. Ah, Straw dogs. Great. Mary, Patrick, come over here. Straw no, dogs. I, I remember him. I, uh, him what, Last what? Tango in Paris. Uh, <laughs> let's watch this one. Mary, Pat, get in here. I think oh, it, he's taking the butter out. Oh. The, the, uh. <laughs> wow, Patrick Warburton. Sorry. I, I think that these are more things. They were usually comedies. They'd be like Monty Python's Life of Brian. Ooh, that's I'm in like good. second grade, and my sister and I are like, like at the same there's just like full frontal male and female nudity. We're like, what? What is that? Mom and Dad, what is happening on TV? They can't do that. Well, that's Graham Chapman, son. Exactly. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> and, and my parents would usually just kind of shrug Every last and, be, inch. and I'd be like, is this rated R? And my dad would be like. I don't know, maybe, whatever, just keep watching. Your dad's awesome. He, he's he's a great guy. Hank, uh, Hank, 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 <laughs> big dog. Yeah, good old Hank. Yeah. Uh, but if I saw a movie was rated R, I just knew that, like, I was also very obsessed with movie ratings. Yeah. I was, I was a kid, I'm about to make myself sound real cool. Um, yeah. So back in those days, people would still talk about things being rated X. Yeah. Because that was yeah. an old rating. And I knew because I would read the list of movie ratings in the newspaper in like the movie review section that the X rating was not around anymore. That the highest rating was NC seventeen. Yep. And so if anyone would say would make a joke and be be like, "Ooh, that movie's rated X," I'd be like, "No, there is no X rating anymore." They discontinued that rating in the year nineteen ninety three. It's uh, it's NC seventeen. Yeah. And when when I would Jesus Christ, man, (laughs) I was I was a fun child with many friends. Um, And when I would I would always so and back when I was a kid, this, this will all connect. Uh, I really wanted to be a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. That was like my dream job. I would make up comics and like characters and stuff like that all the time. And I would always like draw like mock-up movie posters for the film adaptations of the comics I was creating. Right. I'd always, to be cool, I'd put like an NC-17 at the bottom. Oh, sick. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but trust me, this will all connect. But basically like when I, I remember when I saw the trailer for Blade in the movie theater, I was like, that looks cool. And I saw it was rated R and I was like, ah, bummer. Kiss off the way a decade. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm not allowed to see it. And like, yeah. my mom didn't, it's not like she said no. Yeah. I, I was just like, I'm not supposed to see this that. This was self-imposed. Self-imposed. Right. What a loser I was. Yeah. Anyway, but The Matrix comes out. I'm really curious about it. I know a couple of kids in my class who have seen it. <gasps> and and they're Ooh. like, it's so cool. Did you ask them how they broke the law and still didn't go to jail? Why they no, were in jail? I knew, like, yeah. uh, one, one of, like, how I, are you not? I knew one of their dads was just like, you know, didn't give a shit and just took him to see it. And, uh, but I just, I, I just assumed for some stupid reason, I had this like, concept that like, no, I, I, if I ask my parents, they'll just say no because yeah. it's rated R. Anyway, skip ahead to when it's on VHS. And, uh, and I, I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, the matrix is a movie that got great reviews <laughs> here. Here is the three and a half star out of four review in the newspaper. Yeah. I hear it's really good here. Here are quotes from the review to make it seem like it'll actually be a thing that you want to see as well. It sounds smart and, uh, and like unique. <laughs> and, then, and my mom, of course, suddenly saw the VHS case where it's just like people in coats holding guns. And then, yeah. and, uh, Exhibit A, <laughs> son. And then she asked the, the person, like the, the woman who like was the manager of our local video store who, you know, we knew cause we always go in there and, and, and my mom would be like, is this good? And can the kids see it? And she was like, it's really good. It's not, it's not that bad. Like, I think they'll be fine. He was high as fuck though. It's just a young guy working at a video was store. It Hollywood video. I, he didn't know what no, he was talking it, about. It was an independent video store. Uh, no, I don't know. She was like a, she was probably like 
26, but as a child, I'm just like, she seems just, she's an adult. This other she's adult close is talking. To death. Yeah. yeah. She but, surely will know with all of her wisdom. Anyway, so I remember <laughs> this was, um, I think this was like the early sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, like I know it was on a school night because we, we rented it. We watched it. I remember my dad was, as he did back then and continues to do now, got tired and then went to bed halfway through the movie. And oh, and like some powerful dad energy, yeah, <laughs> some big dad but, energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't worry, he has seen it. Yeah, uh, he I also took me to see The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions in theaters, and got up from the the- out of the theater <laughs> and went to sleep in the food court outside. Oh yeah. no, I'll talk about my dad seeing those. I movies. ate too much Panda Express. I fell asleep. But just watching it for the first time and. What I will never forget is just I don't I did not know who these actors were I didn't know who Keanu Reeves was I I, I hadn't seen the full trailer I'd just seen little like thirty second TV spots so I didn't know who Neo or Morpheus was and I will never forget watching the scene where Neo goes to meet Morpheus and being like is Morpheus even a human is he gonna be like a creature wow. or something like I I don't know what he's going to be and Dude, like it could be anything the innocence and, and because the movie basically like switches genres multiple times yeah i it kept like it's such a cliche but like it blew my mind it it just kept surprising me and being cooler and more amazing and like shocking and then the last half hour is just the most relentless onslaught of just like awesome action dope ass imaginable (laughs) and i remember the following morning uh my dad is like driving me he's uh, he's driving me to school and and he's like yeah so I, I missed the second half of the movie what happened I just remember he made a mistake asking that yeah. question and me just launching into a monologue explaining every <laughs> single thing that, that happened the rest of it just like talking so fast and so excitedly and it was like dad, like, <laughs> like the and I was like this is the best movie I've ever seen and then I would just rent it regularly if a friend of mine then w- would just say like yeah I, I haven't seen it I just like, like just, <gasps> I just feel like come over on the weekend well for like a play day well we're gonna watch the Matrix. Yeah, I remember like when we would go on vacation to like, like our like our family and then like a, a you know family friends like another family we'd like rent a cabin on like a lake in upstate New York for like a week and I'd just be like, oh we're gonna rent the Matrix. Have you guys seen the Matrix? We're we're, we're gonna watch that. <laughs> we're gonna, gonna go, go for a lake out here. Yeah, there's a lake and I, we could go for a hike. <laughs> the lake's not real. So like watch the Matrix. <laughs> we're watching the Matrix. I see lines of code only. I don't see fucking lake. No, yeah, genuinely, water. you say that. I remember now. I had forgotten about it until you like triggered the memory. Being really excited the day that it rained because I was like, I guess we're gonna have to watch the Matrix. <laughs> You're like Calvin sometimes. Yeah, that's yes, awesome. I know. And the Matrix was the first DVD I ever bought. Um, yeah. And I bought it. We didn't even have a DVD player. My mom had a, a shitty laptop from work with a DVD drive. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, the DVD, it has like, like a commentary track by like the editor and the cinematographer and there's like more information on it and do you guys did you play ever play the uh the flash game on the matrix website uh-uh no <laughs> it, it was a, uh you should have because it was just it was a flash game that was just the lobby shootout it's like a yeah. first person shooter and all you do is stand in the lobby and just gun down I played the, the playstation game or whatever yeah that, but that that oh. was like the more advanced one the flash game on the website is literally just shoot people in the lobby Oh, that's sick. just that. As you have like pixelated blood just splattered. Wow, everywhere. you're yes. making. I'm. I'm like, sincerely wish I could inhabit your brain during your first viewing. Oh, like, it's the best. I want to experience that level of mind fuckery. Wait, I'm gonna. I want to bring it all back together. Yeah, because I mentioned that 
as a kid, I was I really wanted to be a comic book artist. Right. And I was obsessed with like drawing comics and designing movie posters for like the film adaptations of the comics I was making up. And in like middle school, I remember like working, you know, like planning out this whole like this like comic I wanted to write and draw the sci-fi thing. And I realized that it, it was just ripping off so much of the Matrix. It, it more like visually and action wise than like the concept of it. But it was like it just Classic, I, was, I was stealing yeah. so much stuff from it and it was while working like on that comic and i'd be like at my friend's house we'd be like designing our comics that we wanted to make when i realized it was like sixth or seventh grade that i didn't actually want to make comics that i just was interested in skipping ahead to the film adaptations of the comics yeah. that i was coming up with and it that's dawned on you that you were just storyboarding you yeah. weren't drawing comics at all. And that's how I decided that I wanted to get into filmmaking. Yeah. And it can be traced all back to The Matrix. Hell yeah. It, I like that's a good that, story. That genuinely changed my life. Wow, I wish that I remembered watching this movie for the first time. Can I say this, though? I did go to theaters to see Matrix Reloaded, and it was so fucking cool. It was like the coolest action movie of all time. Yeah, some people say that like they thought it sucked when it came out. I thought it ruled that yeah, uh, initially. Yeah, we, no, we right. were actually the right age for that kind of level of like bullshit, because it was like, yeah. it was so dope. Matrix and, Reloaded, when I saw in theaters in 2003, was the coolest. Yeah, and also... You know, we should talk. We should hold off on that. Yeah, until hold we, off. We get but to I'm that just movie. saying. But I just want to be part I'm of the excitement. I'm sorry for the very, very long story <laughs> yeah. about seeing the Matrix. Yeah. But I wanted to make it clear how profound an effect this movie had on me. And seriously, being like 11 or 12 was like the the perfect age. Yeah. I think having talked to people who were older than me about their experiences seeing it and like how much like. It, it, it like it changed everything and just yeah. like blew everyone's minds. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I'm sure if I was like 25, I'd just lose my shit over it. Still, yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm glad I was that age. At the there, time. yeah, there That's is a there is like a uh, age. I would say there's like a from seven to about like 15. There is like growth in taste, but you still I think like that's like the like range where you retain just that kind of like un just like uncontrollable enthusiasm for various things and you like haven't seen enough of yeah. whatever medium that you're digging to be like, to like just be oversaturated to... and see how like it's borrowing from earlier things like you just experience it as a singular entity it's just born new and yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, like, and it hits you so emotionally there, there is <laughs> yeah that, it's that weird thing where like middle school your is hormones is, squirt Truly. Mm-hmm. Middle school is reliably like the most miserable part of everyone's like childhood or adolescence. Yeah. But it's also the part where you tend to have the most significant like, I guess, media experience. Whether it's, it's like, like imprinting. Exactly. Because yeah. you're old enough that that these things, it's not just like, oh, yeah, I, I love that movie. I want to watch it over and over and over and over. It's, it's not like, you know, when you're a baby or like when you're like a five-year-old who's just like i love frozen let me watch it every single day yeah it's not that i but it's the point it's like formulating your tastes that you will carry with you going forward right and i I can like pinpoint like my the most significant like movie going experiences of my life are all between the ages of like 11 and 15 Mm -hmm. yeah what a good four-year window yeah i started to have the the thing where like films were getting me books were getting me more as like a middle schooler but uh 
some big formative stuff also around that same time was gaming, honestly. Like, yeah. vi- video games was, like, a I mean, big the, thing. The PlayStation 2 had just hit. Yeah. Yeah. Just Time Splitters and, fuck, yeah, just dude. Time Splitters 2. Time, time Splitters 2. Time Splitters 3. 3. Using Tactical 12 games. Jack, oh. and, De- Jack and Daxter. Jack and Daxter. Oh. Ratchet and Clank. Another, another trilogy, <laughs> honestly. Like, yeah. yeah, a lot of trilogies. Metal yeah. Gear Solid 2. <laughs> yeah, baby. And then 3. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, you're that reading that book? One. I haven't read it. Yeah. Got that one. That's okay. good, too. So let's, you know what? You know what I want to do right now? Because what? again, we don't Talk about need the to go through the plot of the Matrix. No, we don't. Who Everyone know knows it. What I want to talk about is our dude, Keanu Reeves. Okay. What the? What do, do you want to say st- about this gentleman at this point? So I have this a, movie feels like such a level up. I have a specific take, but I I don't want to just monopolize this. I want to see if you guys have any anything you want to say about just Keanu in this movie. Um, sure. Uh, Keanu Reeves. Well, first off, I watched this movie again. I borrowed your like 4K edition and it had been a long time since I'd seen the Matrix from start to finish, but... Would you know when you last saw it? No. I have no memory of the last time I watched the Matrix all the way through. It was probably in high school. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a world where I don't (laughs) watch it like at least once a year. So... I was watching this movie, and be, and because now that we've had the backlog log of having seen all of Keanu Reeves' movies before The Matrix, it's it really is still as opposed to having like that gradual buildup where it feels like a logical step up there. It's still surprising how stark that movie feels mm-hmm. compared to literally everything he was in before this. What do you mean by what? What is stark? Like, the movie itself, obviously, the Wachowskis and their brainchild, like, the strange plot and everything about it, but also just the way he looks in the movie and his acting feels strange and different, despite still being kind of just a muted, um, almost low-key performance. Something about it still feels weird, and I couldn't separate it as to whether or not that there was something distinct about his performance compared to other movies, or if all of the strange cultural baggage I feel around this movie has now just permanently altered my ability to watch this, where, like, I just can only see it as an epoch-defining film, you know what I mean? And, like, it just doesn't... Like, what's the movie before this one? Like, The Last Time I Committed Suicide, or or, No, Feeling Minnesota, or some (laughs) shit? No, it's Devil's Advocate, sorry. But, like... Even from Devil's Advocate, this just is such an insane movie. It's crazy. It is. I actually, my take on this uh, is kind of a response to yours. Yeah. Because, yeah, I I was trying to focus on nice. Keanu uh, while I was watching it this time. Because I'm yeah. like, look, I've, uh, I've, I've seen this movie like a trillion times. I have like, a really brief take. Oh, yeah, go for it. Uh, just that uh, I... Uh, it's so He's so inseparable at this point from something that like has, like you said made these like massive ripples, but, um, it almost feels like he gets in almost the way that he becomes Neo. (laughs) He gets more comfortable in the film as it goes on. And, uh, like his earlier performance is a little weak in the earlier half of the movie. You mean? Yeah. I can't tell like, cause the movie has more of this like strange, uh, tone like you were saying that I was expecting like I forgot how like stentorian and and hyper religious Morpheus is like kind right. of I could still like I was having that the weird experience watching it where I could like j- seconds before just say everything that was going to happen because mm-hmm. I had also seen this movie a ton right but yeah like Keanu's character uh at the very beginning feels uh, 
feels it's kind of it felt a little weak to me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't feel weak. I felt like, um, and this is also tainted a little bit with guest on the previous episode, Scott, um, telling us that backstory about his acting coach and saying how Keanu Reeves knows how to move his body better than any actor he's ever seen on screen. I still think that's true, but it doesn't mean. Like, just for the things that were happening to him and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. in the beginning, and honestly, coming off of Devil's Advocate, where I thought he was, like, that was like a top-tier performance for him, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Interesting. I, See, I, um, I, I I like him in Devil's Advocate, uh, uh, Devil's Advocate, but uh, I do kind of agree with, uh, with what Scott said on that episode, that I don't think he's not the best choice for that role. It's not, but it's not, I'm not talking about his fit. I'm talking about just what he did in it, you know, in isolation. See, I think, uh, I think the Matrix to this point, it, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'll go as far as to call it his best performance, but I, what really struck me about him in this movie is Keanu has, he he has always had an unusual energy, whether it's the way he moves or the way he speaks, and uh, sometimes when used poorly, that can come off as stilted or mm-hmm. wooden in movies. Right. And this, uh, and because he, he, he moves and speaks very precisely. Yeah. And watching it this time, having now seen everything he did leading up to this, it felt to me like this is finally a movie where every single thing about the movie is exactly on the same wavelength as his performance. Whether, uh, like, his performance sort of kind of dictates the tone for everything else. I don't want to say dictates because it's not like everyone is, like, following his lead. It's not like the Wachowskis were like, let's shape our script around Keanu Reeves' personality. <laughs> but But you've also got to look at how a defining part of just the matrix. Yeah. I mean, like the, the whole trilogy is how like emotionally reserved it is, how right. kind of closed off everyone is and how like deliberately they speak. No one really seems like a regular human being. Right. In this movie. And I, uh, everybody's and, just saying shit like, except for Cypher. I choose to believe except it. for Cypher. <laughs> Cypher is yeah. so Cypher and casual. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He rules. Even mouse, uh, while it, like he has a bit more emotion when he, when he speaks and seems a bit more relatable, he still speaks with this like you know rapid fire articulate yeah. way that like no the, no human being really talks yeah. to that. But like not it's, it's not even just the other performances. It is just the way like the the visual storytelling of the whole thing. Like all of the uh, like how one shot leads into another, the framing of the shot. There is this precision to every single thing in this movie, right? Where it is, it is all this kind of like heightened, uh, like little like extra dramatic, uh, kind of like comic booky in the sense of like everyone is like posed perfectly all the time. Yep. Everyone uh, is very composed. Everyone is like very stoic. Uh, all of the shots are lit uh, are lit and framed so dramatically. Yeah. And when I think of this, is we were, I was joking around yesterday. We were going to record yesterday, and then we had technical issues and had to push it back a day. But I was, we were talking about uh, wake up, the Rage Against the Machines on the Hell place yeah. at the very end. Also, <laughs> yeah. are those motorcycles outside. Yeah, we got some motocrossers hanging out outside. You know, there's that like roving band of people that just all have like ATVs and motorcycles. But they're up yeah. in Harlem. They go all over the place, though. I know, but they're based in Harlem. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I remember. Well, I, they here today. 
because I <laughs> I used to, I I lived right by them for several years. And they would go by every day. <laughs> oh, I remember those. Yeah, yeah but those nights. Uh, but the thing, what I think about is, I, I think about like the precision with which Keanu moves and speaks, and uh, and and how deliberate it all is, and uh, I think and how perfect he is for this. And then you look at the final scene of the movie when he makes the phone call and uh, says, and where we go from there is a choice I leave up to you, and he hangs up the phone, Mm -hmm. wake up by Rage Against the Machine, slams in, and then think about this shot that then happens right after he hangs up the phone. It's a slow-motion shot that starts as a wide shot Mm -hmm. that dollies around, uh, it's like on the street, dollies around in a a loop the phone booth as he steps out and looks around, (laughs) and it pulls around and then turns into a close-up of Keanu with his head framed dead center on the camera. Right. As he puts on his sunglasses, does the the most imperceptible fourth wall breaking smirk at the camera yeah. and looks up into the sky. And then of course we cut to like the like super overhead like a like satellite image, and then he flies up into the sky. We hear him fart first. Don't forget that. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> and then he flies into the sky. He really rips he was, one. But come on. <laughs> but here's the thing about this: think about how precise this final scene is. They clearly knew the song they were going to use ahead of time. I mean, you literally can't do better than a song called "Wake Up" by a band called Rage Against the Machine for yeah. this movie. It's, it's it really seems as if like they invented a band. And then to make a song for the scene. But, <laughs> they invented okay. Rage Against the Machine. But <laughs> a movie literally about literally raging against machines. And waking up. <laughs> and waking up and shit. <laughs> but okay. Come so on. You think about um, that opening of the song. Just like the guitar slams in with the da-na-na, da-na. So that comes in. Dope. And it is timed perfectly and remember it's slow motion so they have to figure out the timing mm-hmm. for like okay how long do we actually shoot if we're shooting it in let's say 60 frames per second but we're going to slow down to 24 yeah and so how long does this shot have to be so that then the guitar part lasts for when the the camera's dollying around and then the quiet part lasts uh for when it goes back to regular speed for yeah. him putting on the sunglasses and looking up in the yeah. sky and then like how long will that like final shot of him flying up last so that it goes for the guitar riff. Yeah, the scene's constructed around the song, it, it seems, right? It's, it's insane. Like the precision just for this this like two-shot scene with no visual effects is crazy. And the planning that had to be done, like knowing the song like when they were shooting it. And the whole movie is put together with that level of precision. Yeah. And I feel like this is the movie that Keanu has been waiting for yeah. his whole career. A but, movie that is completely on the same wavelength that he is as a performer. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just saying, his... I'm not, <laughs> listen. You're wrong, man. I don't You're disagree. Wrong. I think it, no one else could have been in it. I no, just, I, I, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I just think, yeah. I, I mean, no one is also arguing that it's not a technical marvel and that the precision mirrors... Keanu's own sort of like demeanor naturally, which is very precise and decisive movements, also somehow flailing too, because <laughs> yeah. he is also kind of goofy. But he is sort of like, again, he's kind of like in the Luke Skywalker position where he's like the regular guy who gets brought into this bigger world. It's yeah. just that intro part from like the intro to him as like, I don't mind him being like some sort of like absolutely drained insomniac hacker guy who like is tired but like there are other performances in this that are comic booky that still have the like 
like his boss and people like this that are that, and then like his when boss they, who basically just seems like the the guy who was like neck who like he like auditioned for Agent Smith and they're like you're not as good as Hugo Weaving but we'll give you this role <laughs> yeah we'll like there's just scrap his. I, you know, I don't know what it was like on set or anything, but like he sells the shit out of the action. And when he regains his confidence in the Matrix and he sells even the like emotional shift to uh, like g- getting into all of the like download programs and trying to fight Morpheus and stuff. But just that intro where he's really like he's, Morpheus is going too fast with the with the like him being chased by agents and like, all this no shit. Way. Yes. No way. No and that's and his stiffness hurts that performance i think i don't think he just it's a very minor quibble but he's kind of is the stiff kind of under-emoting keanu that people criticize him for i think in the first like third of the film i disagree matthew i disagree <laughs> it, hey listen it's fine it's the great it's the most controversy i can muster for this movie which i think fucking is so sick dude it's so <laughs> it's, good. that's the thing i mean matt and i were watching it again like on saturday and it's just like Every time a new scene starts, it's like, oh, right, this scene rules. Oh, oh, oh the next one. Oh, right, this one rules. Even even things that's like, okay, here's the thing about The Matrix. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> we could have said that right at the beginning yeah. of this episode. So here's the thing here's about The Matrix. Here's the thing about The Matrix. Um, it's no, here, here's a thing about The Matrix. Yeah. So you know how if you say Matrix phone, everyone is like, oh, I know what the phone you're talking about. Yes, I always wanted that phone. Matrix mm-hmm. phone. <laughs> exactly. Just whispering lovingly into somebody's ear. Yeah. So Matrix phone. A thing... A, a key thing about the Matrix and a key part of its influence and impact is that with every single thing they had to put in the movie, whether it be a phone, whether it had to be a, a car door, anything, in each case, the Wachowskis chose the coolest possible version of that thing. Yeah. That is also not a version that people are just used to seeing every single day. Because it's also like, I have had so many conversations with people over the past 20 years about like, oh yeah, the, uh, the they're called suicide doors, right? On the car. The ones that open in the opposite direction that they normally would, the back doors. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, I've never been in a car where the doors open like that, but I see them there and I'd never seen them before the Matrix. I'm just like, yeah. I accept this. What is that car? That that it's like it's a real car and it just looks awesome. Well, the aesthetics in this are so singularly the Wachowskis, it seems. Yeah. Having just drawn from a lot of like like cyberpunk meets cyber goth. Yeah. It's like it's like very daddies. Like yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot going on. But what it is what it does add up to in total is like Yes, this this bizarre these bizarre choices like these phones and like they're everyone's leather look when they come into the matrix and all this kind of stuff that is so iconic now. Do you guys ever wonder what it felt like physically to just pick up the matrix phone and then like turn into like the green digits and then get brought back to Nebuchadnezzar? I uh, bet it feels like jumping in a pool of seltzer. I wanted that. Yeah, like I, I, yeah. fizzy all over. Yeah, the the, the way you can and see it's cool them kind for of fade reason. away with yeah. little lines going down their head. It, it looks so cool, and yeah. I mean. The crazy thing about this movie, and and it's wild how much it really does mirror the making of Star Wars, because I remember I, I, reading. Uh, if anyone hasn't read the the massive like tomes by uh, J. W. Rinsler, uh, the making of Star Wars: Empire and Return of the Jedi, uh, that goes through like, through, like every original like document 
um, of like the productions of those movies, and uh, and it gives you like 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 it gets into everything about like yeah. how they were put together. But you look at like the how the original Star Wars was really put together, and it's like you know George Lucas wanted to make this thing where he's wanted to like basically combine every single thing he loved uh in into one like just fuse them all together into one thing but then he was also like but look also it's like you know i've made two movies before this one of them was a flop and one did well yeah and uh but it's like look i'm gonna hire some uh, like i can't get uh douglas trumbull who like did the effects for 2001 a space odyssey but i can get some of the younger guys that were like on his team yeah and uh because they're cheaper yeah. and um and we'll just like <laughs> kind of start our own little company yeah man and, we'll fucking do it bro yeah it's like it, it is this weird like uh kind of like like it's it's so insane to say like diy in the context of star wars but it was like oh even being funded by like 20th century fox it was made by a bunch of like kind of unproven people, but he because he's he's one of the Zoetrope people, right? Oh, well, he, I his mean, he, THX but was sponsored, but was, he didn't do. I mean, like he like was friends with Coppola, and, or he uh, just I guess he just hung with that crew of like all other all like now famous people that were kind of. Th- right, well, Lucas he, is a little younger than Coppola. No, he is. Yeah, because Coppola was making movies. He was doing like Finian's Rainbow, the Fred Astaire and, movie in the sixties, and Zoetrope. Partially financed THX one one three eight while Lucas was still a grad student at UCLA. Right, right. Okay, they, yeah. like they they did work together, but Zotrop yeah. uh, wasn't involved in Star Wars. But basically, right. he kind of like pulled this crew together of people who were not like really well known uh, to make this thing. Because like with Star Wars, they had they that's how they invented these like motion control cameras for the visual effects shots, so they could have like that's how they, they could have like the camera move in space so mm-hmm. it wasn't just static they could have the camera as if it were like mounted on like a plane like f- flying by like making these more dynamic shots right and uh they were just like guys in a warehouse just like inventing this stuff and so that's cool. kind of what yeah. happened with the matrix because you look at the crew they assembled the Wachowskis had made, had made bound this little lesbian noir thriller yeah that got good reviews maybe made a bit of money but I uh, like wasn't a huge hit. I want to look at how successful Bound was. You guys, yeah, you that. you pull it up. But like they had Joel Silver producing, and of course Joel Silver obviously is the co-creator of Ultimate Frisbee, <laughs> yeah. and then also produced. <laughs> also rad as fuck. <laughs> wow, this man is defined. That man defounded. Defound. That's the word he I'm defounded. looking for. Yeah, that's definitely a hundred percent. But then he, uh, obviously Joel Silver did things like produced Die Hard and Lethal Weapon God and damn, so many of like how- the biggest action movies of the. Of all time. How rad can this guy get? It's pretty wild. Oh. Yeah. Ultimate Frisbee die hard? And that was the thing. Joel Silver, he's like, he just liked the Wachowskis and was like, I will protect you and make sure that the studio does not fuck with what you want to do. And so they had Joel Silver, but like, even their crew was the crew from Bound. And like, like, you know, I've talked, I'm sure on this podcast before about Bill Pope, the cinematographer who I love so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Like, he was, you know, obviously he's a legend now because of things like The Matrix, but originally, I think they had a DP for Bound who dropped out because he was like, I can't do what you want to do for this much money. And then Bill Pope was like, I'll do it. And, uh, <laughs> and they brought him over for this. Bill like, Pope is hungry. Yeah. But, like, the guy, uh, uh, John Gaeta, the guy who, like, invented all of the visual effects for The Matrix, who, like, you know, was one of the creators of Bullet Time— he was just a guy who was like this kind of like visionary guy at another visual effects company that they just found. 
And he then, like, made this team for this movie. Wow. And then, and of course, like, wins an Oscar for that. This movie won four Oscars. Okay. It won, it won an editing Oscar, which rarely happens for, like, an action movie. Doesn't... When I was watching this movie, probably the biggest thing... I know we're talking a little bit about Keanu Reeves' performance, but just listening to you talk about the assemblage of the crew on this team, and just even, like, the... The, the strange tonality, like, juggling act that the Wachowskis had to do here. I mean, for me, more than, like, any other movie I've seen recently, I was watching it, and it feels like a miracle this movie isn't terrible. I yes. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a pure miracle that this movie came together and is literally does every single thing right when every single Choice. potential <laughs> thing is an obstacle that could have dismantled the entire film and made it a bad, stupid, silly over the top, I was like overindulgent to mess. Right. And somehow like every hurdle is cleared and jumped. It's like both a hurdle race and a tightrope walk. <laughs> and they somehow managed to just pull it off. And like, I mean, it's, it, it seems like a way, way, you know, uh, hype, hyperbolic word to use, but I mean, it literally feels like miraculous. This movie is as good as it well, is. Well, that's, that's why, the, and you know that that's like what's occurring because yeah. it's so hard to earnestly go fucking awesome. Yeah, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yes, like that is the reaction to watching something just the, the thrill almost of just watching it not fall apart and become corny as fuck is right. Is probably a very subtle, but strong undercurrent to the whole experience. Right. It's, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, okay, can I also just like debunk a stupid rumor that people still throw at me and is so clearly not true? Yeah, what's Do this it, fake bro? ass rumor? Yeah, okay. defuse. A thing, I think it's on like the IMDb trivia, and I'm so sick of people bringing this thing up. <laughs> okay, so a thing people will say is that the Wachowskis actually uh, were only given a budget of like $10 million to make this movie, and they blew the entire budget on the opening scene. Uh, just to prove to the studio how good the movie was going to be. And then the studio was like, okay, we'll give you another $50 million. Damn, kid, we like your spunk. That is not true. First of all, <laughs> that opening sequence, while it's, I think, one of the great openings in, like, film history, uh, does not cost $10 million. That is wildly irresponsible. And, like, the, <laughs> Joel Silver, the producer, would not let them do that. And that's that. it doesn't work that way. Uh, you You don't spend all the money they they gave you on like one tenth of the film <laughs> and then say now give me more and then they do it it doesn't give work me, that way me. but like but that opening scene i think is so crucial to why the movie works because again to go back to like when i first saw it because it's weird because and I, I know that like a few years ago i did a whole video just about that opening sequence so to regurgitate some of those points you look at it, and a lot of the way that, in that opening scene, you don't know who Trinity is. You don't know what she's doing. And the way it's coded, she's kind of like a bad guy. Right. Yeah. She's murdering cops. Uh, yeah. Who, and cinema has taught us that, like, oh, and, and most of, like, the way it's shot is using, like, noir language. Uh, mm -hmm. Like whether it's like the use of shadows and flashlights and all these things and like this derelict building, mm -hmm. and she's Some of that this bound energy is coming in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she's like this weird like pleather-clad woman who's just <laughs> murdering <laughs> cops with superpowers. She cute though. Yeah. See, the Wachowskis just had to make this one. If they had just decided on pleather 
fruit leather instead of leather already it's a ruined movie it's a, the whole right. movie's ruined right. if everybody's it's, wearing fruit it's leather it's so simple to have ruined it's so it. simple to destroy <laughs> this movie but imagine if they could then like if they got hungry on a mission they could just like eat their clothes right that's true and that's too rage that's against the machine too. yeah oh my god i have not about fruit leather in so long dude it's fuck it's, you i won't do what you tell me and they're eating their clothes <laughs> yeah. now they're we're talking their boots and their pants and their but what i just mm. want to get back to is just at the end of that opening scene uh you know when she runs to the phone and if you see her the first time you're like why is she running to the phone he's trying to run her over with a truck and then he Agent Smith like slams the truck into the phone booth mm-hmm. and you don't see her there but I'm just watching it being like is she dead yeah what happened she got hit by a car who is she truck. it's it, great like, it like, gets like, you asking questions is she a bad guy she seems cool but she also seems bad yeah like what's going on and it was like you have a million questions there yeah and and then the movie answers all of them. But, like, in that opening scene, it's like, they show you bullet time. Bullet time does not return for, like, 90 minutes. There is not another bullet time shot until Neo dodges bullets on the roof. Yeah. You could call the kung fu training session. Have it, I think Morpheus goes into bullet time for a little bit. No. Do you want me to define bullet time for you? That's yeah. punch time, Matt. It goes into slow motion. Uh-huh. Bullet time is specifically the thing where they have a rig of, like, a hundred cameras in a loop and they all go off at the same time so that to create the effect of a camera moving through space at a different speed than like the actors are moving at. Right. Okay. And it has yeah. to be shot entirely on a green screen and the entire environment <sighs> is digital. Yeah. <sighs> Matt, we've, me and you have dissected the scene with the cow from Kung Pao into the <laughs> fist. We should, you should know this more than anybody. Well, first of all, that cow was CGI and it was milk time. <laughs> it was milk time. So, and I did, I do get thirsty watching it. Yeah. I'm like, mm, maybe milk time for Jake too. Maybe some cereal, uh, cold cereal as a snack for lunch. I wish that cow would just like shoot that milk into my mouth. Yeah. I, I wish really this movie would. was 4D. CGI into liquid, my mouth. Especially cheesy, like old CGI liquid looked so good. <laughs> it did. <It's> true. <laughs> it looks smoother than real milk. Yeah. You know? It looks like, smoother. Like it, it would go down on and, it. and maybe also taste like silly silicone or something yeah. i don't know something. but yeah no there are four bullet time shots in the matrix okay uh it's the trinity one it is neo dodging bullets it is when uh morpheus is running out of the building to jump to the helicopter and gets shot in right right, uh, right. through the thigh uh Ooh, not the thigh through, ankle. Th- th- through the calf yeah, um calf. And, and it is when uh in the subway when neo <laughs> and smith jump at each other while shooting guns god right. that's so fucking cool when they jump at each other yeah rules and then they click click and their guns are empty and he oh says, that's cool and then the way you're smith out, says you're empty. you're empty so are you and then smith's eyes like looking to the side and then back again and then they both jump up yeah Woo! And then, <laughs> Woo! i know that's what this episode and then, and could then, devolve to and then, just, <laughs> and then neo does like does the spin move when he Dude, gets and then up neo freaking spins and smith he lifts himself up by smashing his fists on the ground it's so what? cool oh, move and then it's just like dodge this and, and he it's just and you uh, he doesn't dodge it. <laughs> That's a, so sick, dude. <laughs> See, if we if we got if we, if we got a Wachowski on this, it would just become the Chris Farley show, yeah, and it would it just would. be us going. Uh, remember, remember, remember when they uh, said you were when, dead? When, when like when 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 not really when dead. Neo like punches Smith, but then he grabs his fist and then he flicks his fingers out yeah. and hits his throat. Uh, <laughs> How would hey, you come up with that? that not, to, not, cool. to, not to tune my own with a pun here, but that was one of our favorite gags. <laughs> we did love the throat flick. Punch. We did like Good we one. would do it, we would fake do it to each other. Let me say a couple things about this that movie. That throat gag is like half a second long and is burned into the brain of like every one of our generation. Yes. Let me say a couple things that are burned into my brain from this movie. Just like like just small second long visual audio like audio yeah. things. Right. 
like right, the like throat a movie, gag. like a movie, like what a movie is. <laughs> <laughs> so the throat gag, when when the flicks, <laughs> that noise, the, it, it, it's a yeah, like it's, that that choke sound, so crucial. Now second time, that also is like deeply rooted in, in my brain, like the deep recess in my brain is takes the the pill, and then the Capri Sun goes in his mouth. <laughs> And the digital crackling of his yes. scream yep. as the oh. silver surfer, I don't know, pukes in his yeah, throat. Yeah, he's screaming, and then it, right, and it gets like digital and crunchy yeah. as it goes on. Yeah, he gets oh. bit crushed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that sound accompanied by that visual effect is like so cool. Hey, that's how it got those sound Oscars. <laughs> oh, I know. It's great. And then the last one is his mouth melting. That's pretty neat, too. Yeah, the... Oh, yeah. Like that. If you weren't able to speak. And oh. just watching this on television and him never being able to say the word finger on like, if you were watching oh, this, this movie was on bizarre... TNT and it was edited Wait, and I... he was like, how would I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? But instead it was like, how would I give you the flipper and you give me my phone <laughs> yeah, call? And you're like, you he gives say a... finger? Yeah, they couldn't say finger. Have I told you about my favorite uh, t- <laughs> it's a, it's t- a, flipper? It's a body part. Like my favorite TV edit for yeah. this movie. What? It's, uh, it's like in the next scene. I uh, when when they they pulled a bug out of him. Oh yeah. And I remember watching this on TBS one day. Very and, uh, funny. And 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 the line uh yep. Jesus Christ that thing's real yeah. turns into Jeepers Creepers that thing's real. <laughs> oh god. I mean yeah, Pat Oswald has a funny bit about the like the bend over backwards methods of of not like saying things that it would be even remotely considered curses ending yeah. up sounding even more offensive to you yeah. <laughs> like, like just even more weird and kind of upsetting <laughs> it's it's so weird it's uh and yeah especially with this movie it's like finger and jesus christ seem yeah. pretty tame i this get jesus is, christ that for a long time was like yeah, a no-go it's always, go yeah, it's always like a weird thing about god like damn it, god but you had to yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that it's like religious slander basically yeah. but, but the, finger the to flipper sense. was interesting because they would still visually like crop that shot so that his hand wasn't even in frame right but like, so then why can't he just say finger then? And you just crop the hand. I think it's like, the what whole is point the... is in summation, you've removed any, everything. any idiot who's never heard of giving the finger or no, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's I, no, I have no you're idea. You're covering all your bases yeah. for the I conservative like, audience. I don't know when TV ratings became like properly introduced, but the, right. it's, there was a sensation of people figuring out yeah. <laughs> how shit was, what was bad. Right. Yeah. It's interesting thinking about this movie in the context of, you know, stuff that has to be edited for TV because it is a pretty mild R-rated movie. It's taint. Yeah. It's not too. And I'm, I'm really curious what it is that sets them over the line where do they say fuck in this they movie? don't they, they don't, don't. They yeah, don't. that's what i thought they, okay. they never say fuck they, they barely swear they say shit a handful of times trinity yeah. says shit basically every time something bad's happening yeah <laughs> shit shit <laughs> but but like an agent to, to be clear shit. she she says shit fewer <laughs> times than will smith does in men in black well, there you go. And that's the cleanest squeaky, rapper yeah, out there. Squeaky clean that, Will Smith. Yeah, that's a PG-13 Aha. movie. Nice. Hey, you know what we should talk about? You know what we should talk about? We should talk about the original intended casting of this movie. Oh, yeah. Will Smith as Neo and our guy Val Kilmer as Morpheus. <laughs> that's wow. wow. That would have... <laughs> talk about the tightrope walk. About this, that right? movie would be I know, terrible. I, fr- I, I did know about this, but I just was thinking about those two men in a film 
like this. That movie would be terrible because especially that Val Kilmer at that time was at the height of his shitheadiness, right? Like he was only two years off of Island of Dr. Moreau, which is like an infamous behind the scenes debacle, especially considering how Val Kilmer's behavior was supposed to be. Yeah, I am right now going to, so last year for the 20th anniversary of The Matrix, I can't believe this movie is 20 years old. Yeah. uh, Vulture did a whole week of just great Matrix coverage, including yeah. a really, really good interview with, uh, I'm going to look this up as well, with Chad Stahelski, who would go on to direct the John Wick trilogy, right, yeah. but became Keanu's stunt double for The Matrix. Yeah. And he has a great story about shooting the uh, the cartwheel sh- gunshot. Great shot. Yeah. But dun, 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 I, but dun, but, there, dun, but there's dun. a good part that uh, where it talks about meeting with Val Kilmer and and stuff like that and about how this happened and uh hi val so tell me a little bit more about this movie okay val so do you you, so you call it valet parking when we park in your driveway it's just a little (laughs) joke i have (laughs) can i be the one but right at the beginning oh god damn it val yeah i know the one to the two because two's more because it's more number fuck you val (laughs) I was in the island of Dr. Moreau. Okay. Did you see that film? Everyone thinks that, uh, uh, <laughs> well, damn it. Why well, can't I remember his name? <laughs> Just look at my resume right now. Okay. Willow. Top secret. The saint. Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> I'm the one, but at the beginning of the movie, you got it. People think Marlon Brando wanted to have a porpoise blowhole on the top of his head, but I, that was actually my idea, and I want it in the Matrix too. And, I, and I'm gonna have to have it in the Matrix. So when they reveal at the end that the Ma- guys the, the gonna have to have right, that blowhole, I'm a dolphin and a pufferfish. I'm also a dolphin, <laughs> and I have a poison sack like a pufferfish. <laughs> What's funny is um, we're talking about all this alternate alternative casting. I love that little Will Smith video. He talked about meeting the Wachowskis and how he had no faith in them having met them right away. And that's just a little bit of a, you know, a credit to Keanu too for seeing through them. Because basically Will Smith Will Smith said that they looked like a couple of potheads at the time. Right. And they were just going to do dope. and Who did not seem to like give him a very coherent pitch. It was yeah. like, you're going to like jump up in the air and go like, whoa. Yeah, it seems like the camera really spin around you. <laughs> it seems like the Wachowskis didn't hone anything. Like they just had bullet time in their head, and they were like, "And you're gonna spin. It's gonna be so fucking rad." Yeah, but it's also a testament to Keanu, who c- consistently does risks. Whereas Will Smith, I mean, he's collateral big, he, beauty is a huge risk, man. He's a, he's a big, he's a giant movie star. Seven who seems, pounds. He's just totally square. Totally not into Scientology <laughs> and just lives on a basically a big earth compound like earth. What is that movie he made with his after earth after earth, which is essentially I'm I can I'm so convinced just filmed in their backyard. <laughs> it's just what him and his son do. Yeah. When he's like, your body is nothing. <laughs> he's like not even a, he's like hardly even a movie star anymore. He's like sort of transcended. He's moved outside of movies partially. He's just like a guy Will on Smith? YouTube. Yeah. He's just a yeah. filmed man. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Like, he's like, he's filmed everywhere he goes. Well, like, it's like, I don't understand. He's not in movies anymore. Uh, excuse me. I saw him in Bad Boys for Life this year. I think it's your, what you should and say. And it was a is, hit. It's more accurate to call him a filmed man <laughs> than a man in movies. Yeah. He is not that anymore. He's just for his birthday, he's just bungee jumping into the Grand Canyon. You know what I <laughs> a thought? A normal was, thing to do. Yeah, just casually. Yeah, dude. Hey, what's up, YouTube? You know what? Yeah. I, I was thinking, uh, you know what looked 
It was supposed to look painful, but looked incredibly satisfying in this movie. What? When all the frick when he when when so like when uh <laughs> yeah go on when uh, Neo wakes up in the in the uh, oh, the pod in the pod at the, the um, you know uh placental pod yeah and uh you know he gets marked as defective by the yeah. robot uh <laughs> all of those cords <laughs> popping out of the different oh. jacks in his in his back and arms looked oh. like it probably felt really good yeah like it was oh. <laughs> 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 They're all spraying, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, ooh, that's probably. I hear nice you. in some way. I'm hearing what you're saying. You yeah. picking up what I'm putting down? I'm, yeah, you get. There's a little bit of BDSM in in there. Like the, I don't. Like, is it beat? No. Well, what what am I looking for here? Is it just masochism? I don't know. Just because kind of like getting those cords pulled out of you, or is that sadism? No, sadism is doing masochism is like being masochism hurt. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's also crazy about that scene? Pulling the tube so out your throat. That scene is also like. It's hard to go back to, like, I, I can't remember when I first saw that scene when he wakes up in the pod, but how truly insane must that be if you're seeing this movie for the first time? And then suddenly, it's all been in the real world. Yeah. Or, like, what seems like a world you recognize. Wake and then that. that happens, and the design is so bonkers. It's crazy. And again, you look at, like, the team they assembled for this movie. They brought in Jeff Darrow, right. comic book artist, who has not worked in movies before. Shaolin a, Cowboy. <laughs> which he actually, well, the Wachowskis got that made. They mm. started a comic book publishing line after like the Matrix sequels and Shaolin Cowboy was like, uh, they published that. It's but like, awesome. he had done like Hard Boiled with Frank Miller, no connection yeah. to the, the uh, John Woo movie. Uh, and he would just do these like crazy ultra detailed drawings. And there's like, hey, just design all the machine stuff. And like, I've got the big hardcover book, The Art of the Matrix, and it has all of Jeff Darrow's just pencil drawings of all, of like, the Sentinels, the power plants, all of these things, and it's just exactly what's in the movie. Yeah. It's just one guy just drew all these things, <laughs> and they put them all yeah. in the movie. And then that's, the other thing is, like, um, uh, uh, Steve Scross, this comic book artist who was, like, drawing Wolverine in the 90s, he storyboarded the entire movie. That's mm-hmm. the thing, because, like, the legend is that the studio didn't really get the script. And so they're like, okay, to make it easier to understand, let's bring in this artist to just basically draw the whole movie as a comic. Yeah. And you can show it to you. And it's like, this is what it's going to be. And you look through all those storyboards and like, you know, they hadn't cast the movie yet. So like Neo doesn't look like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. But uh, he looks the, like Bill Pullman for some weird just reason. Just like Bill Pullman. Yeah, it's weird. Exactly. Carrie Ann Moss is, isn't really there. She's kind of like Julia Roberts, like long curly hair. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, woman Julia Roberts, like it, long silk gloves. Exactly. What if it was Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> but like, it's honestly the, the costumes and the storyboards are pretty close to what they are in the movie, and it's like the whole thing is there. Also, interesting yeah. thing that the storyboards uh, reveal is that that opening sequence with Trinity had another section to it where she jumps onto like an elevated train. Mm. It's very, again very Chicago, and then I think they cut that because of budget stuff. Aw, that sounds cool. Yo, man, a little played out. Jumping on the top, being of on the top train. of a train and yeah. your and your getaway. Come Been on. there, done that. Yeah, Mission like, Impossible. You might as well do jump kinda. into a, a a garbage truck that drives under you or something. Yeah, some bullshit. Yeah, all that soft, cushiony garbage. Yeah, it's like how do people never not hit just like some like a bunch of like Rusty Chinese food Tupperware <laughs> containers and shit, like stuff that just jabs at them a little bit. You know, people were just jumping into like loaves of bread. Totally takes me out of it. Yeah. 
Oh like, wait, uh, can I share this uh, this paragraph from this Chad Stahelski interview? Please. Uh, the the question is: Was there a particular uh, a particular moment during the production when you thought, okay, this thing is going to be big? And he says, I remember my first time on camera was in the government lobby sequence when Carrie Ann does her wall up. I guess that's what it's called, a wall up. Cool. Nice, um, like suit up. Says, uh, we had rehearsed it a million times. We had squibs that had to go off. It was all practical effects, so you couldn't have a cell phone within 300 feet of the stage because at the time, the frequency of cell phones could set off the electronic squibs. Wild. That's, um, yeah. They, uh, they had over a thousand squibs and they're blowing off and we're seeing them and just going, oh my God. I had to do a thing where I cartwheel over to an M16 rifle, pick it up with one hand, then Keanu shoots and goes into the fight or whatever. I remember the setup was a day turnover, so you get one take and it takes a day to reset. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then the you do the second pressure. take. I had barely met anybody on set at this point. I'm in the getup and getting ready to go. And I remember producer Joel Silver walking over to me. I had never met the man before in my life, looking me right in the eye and saying don't fuck this up <laughs> basically Joel silver's just sweating cash right now <laughs> basically <laughs> i believe in you guys but fuck man this is nerve-wracking he goes basically don't miss and he gave me that little stare he's a very intense person <laughs> and i was like okay don't miss gun they had said there'd be a lot of debris so i just practiced doing the flip with my eyes closed and i couldn't see shit i just threw myself in there and magically found the gun and grabbed it i was only 25 and i was like don't miss gun don't miss gun don't miss gun <laughs> but after that scene finished i remember calling everybody back in the states and going yeah this is gonna be something different this is real stuff that's dope what a good story i know it's such a great, great story, story chad <laughs> <laughs> that's good oh my god <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, this is a funny movie to talk about. And then there's this, the sense of like, can you imagine this movie with anybody but Keanu? That's why where mm -mm. I can't because I feel like it. This movie uses these sort of this the same this vibe and energy Keanu has always had, and I feel like anyone else would throw it off. Like, Will Smith is the most insane thing. He would throw off the movie completely. Like, I love Will Smith, but he would he would ruin this movie. What are you talking about? He's just ill way the anime on the Anstey Orflay. He <laughs> Give it up to you, make it feel like foreplay. He would have just a confident swagger that would just destabilize this, this whole film. Like, he just, he would know he's ha -ha. the one. Yeah, like, immediately. Like, he would get smirking. this movie dependent on it and then yeah. ditch it in the middle of, of his relationship and just ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> Not be able to recover. And, I, and, I, one. and I'm a big Will Smith man, okay? Well, well our big joke was that he would have a rap about it yeah he would have a rap about it matt and i have been talking about this for like almost a decade no yeah. i love your uh matrix your matrix song uh we, yes. we've just written various lines for it yeah we yeah. need to actually make this happen one of these no one do it before we and can. no one do it oh, scouts sorry. honor should i yeah. not have brought it up yeah. no, TM, no, TM, no no TM. listen this is how it works it's a gentleman's agreement <laughs> with the uh, thousands of strangers yeah I'm really trying to find this this interview uh, where, where it gets into like meeting with Val Kilmer because it just sounded oh. so weird. Where like apparently like Val Kilmer was, was like he was offered the role of Morpheus, but he was like, "What if Morpheus was the main character?" Uh. <laughs> wow, that's not far off from a really wow, we bad were joking Val Kilmer riff that we were doing earlier. Right, exactly. He's that's just a traveler searching for Pierre. <laughs> yeah. We forget. We've been also we're what? dancing around this other loaded thing too, which is that like. Of late, I would say, you know, the whole blue pill, red pill thing. Just like these culture, like little detritus artifacts from this film are oh, still yeah. fucking like it has led to this whole like cla pill classification of different things in the way that like, uh, you know, Watergate 
it's almost like Watergate, how it led to everything having a gate at the end of it. Right. Deflate there's like all gate, these like freaking golden gate. For now there's Donald all these Trump. pills that like give you these different like uh, like uh, gate. like lenses and yeah. stuff like that. What's your I'm favorite so- gate? Probably Golden Gate. Probably Deflate Gate. Uh, deflate Gate's pretty good. That one's actually kind of funny. Most yeah. of that's them, when it got like stupid. Obviously, officially. like Pissgate is Gamergate the- awful. Comics gate is still around Makes me want to die yeah. It's funny in a way Like all of this stuff's darkly funny <laughs> You know Like Gamergate is It is funny how lazily You can just throw The suffix gate Onto the end of stuff now It's right, a very but, but, stupid like, like, It's a scandal m- Media created thing It feels like Yeah You know like You can always tell when like There's this big Like all You know all in push by the media to try and like get a phrase to be the phrase. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, what, that's all I'm saying is just like, me, I'm sorry. This is, this is like very culturally ignorant, but like what, what the hell does like red pill and blue pill mean again? Like as far as today's well, context that we use it. Well, and today it's, it's, it is a little different, but like it started with the Trump president, like right. candidacy. And when people are saying you're getting red pilled, was that mean again? It just, it kind of just pilling around for much longer than that. It's yes, like, it, it, like yeah. but I mean like I'm saying like, yeah, it was both of these things were old references cause they were as probably as, as soon as the matrix came out, they were referenced online, but like, yeah. It meant just like blue pill bent like you. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I think just it just, no. I think it just Jake, means like. Uh, should I just uh, Google this quietly? Jake, no, you yeah. just. You, you, well, it's, it's literally like the Matrix. It's like, but it's it has a it has a political connotation. But like, you choose to stay ignorant by taking the blue pill. You choose to like see the world and and the country for what I it is it, by taking it. the red pill. Yeah, yeah, I'm just Jake. There's nothing wrong with not knowing. I'm just hearing you talk. I'm thinking like, ah, oh, Jake, you sweet summer child. Like, mm. I, I wish I, I could not know these things. You know, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be much happier. But it is. It, but it's such a, like, that shit was like, it's just interesting. Like, in 2017, you know, when it was like popping off the hardest and it's like, right. you still have Matrix references. Like, well, but, yeah. okay, well, no matter how much you dislike maybe their current use, it's like, it's just wild that this movie is still like, Reverberations are still happening in these like bizarre ways. So here's yeah. the thing. Okay, so Jake, the, this in simplest terms, obviously. I'm getting a beer. Uh, what? I'm just, I'm just gonna go get a beer. Okay, go for it. Okay. Uh, so uh, like the red pill is like the the choice Neil makes to like see the truth and find out what the world really is. Right. So the idea of like the red pill movement is basically people who who are like. I've taken the red pill. I've seen the truth, Got which it. is that we live in a world where really women have it better than men. Oh yeah, it's, it's turned into an MRA it, it's diatribe. Ju- it, it okay, is great. entirely an MRA thing. All right, um, now I'm disinterested again. Yeah, but what's interesting about this is yeah. because the I mean, in simplest terms, the the main thing the Matrix is about is about basically breaking free from this like rigid prison like system that you are stuck in mm-hmm. and um and that it's no coincidence that this came out in 1999 right the year of the cubicle movies this was the same year as office space and <laughs> fight club and yeah. american beauty these all came out the same year like that was like such a major thing about and people... is the dot-com boom happening around this time yeah, as well exactly Just about dot-com boom you got office drones right yeah, it's like and concept. that's it dilbert <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah. It, it's like you know this was a, th- a thing that was this was like the zeitgeist at the yeah. time i uh, just people you know who w- feel like they're stuck in these like shitty office jobs yeah. and like there's no escape from them and this is like 
and to slightly a cog in the machine that you must rage against. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. and obviously, yeah. it's all there. Yeah. And so, like in in simplest terms, that's what the Matrix is about. It's about yeah. like you know society basically like putting you in like you being stuck in this prison that is like society and culture and then mm-hmm. like breaking free of that. Yeah. And we live in a society. Th- <laughs> yes. We truly do. Yeah. And the all of the material is there for people to have this shitty interpretation of the movie and to look at this movie and being like, oh, this validates my like misogynistic views where like right. I think that like this isn't un- like the things don't go the way I want. And so uh, I think that, the, you know, I am stuck in a society that is like rigged against me. And, right. uh, and it's all there. But then it's also there. It's like, obviously, both of the Wachowskis are trans women. And this, when you know that, you look at this movie and it's like, oh, it's the most obvious trans metaphor in the world. Right. Like, Agent Smith just keeps dead naming Neo for the entire thing. And he has the big moment where he's like, my name is Neo. Stop yeah. calling me by that old name that right, I don't right, know right. anymore. I literally uh, am like, you know, I, I, I have like a new body and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, it's been a, a thing that's been talked about before how like originally they wanted Switch to be um, different genders in the Matrix and in the real world. But oh, that so would have actually cool. been real cool. How did, why did that get... Uh, because Was the, there some co- shitty producer? More cost or more just like... No, no. I, I, I think the studio just wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Uh, Damn. It's what, I, I'm also, how did they accept all of this other stuff and then that small well, feature it sounded which like they been such didn't. a nice little addition? It sounded like they had people like Joel Silver going to bat for them. And like, Joseph, we have to lose one battle. It also sounds Probably, like, yeah. It all, I was about to comment earlier because you were saying like the studio was like, we don't get it. I'm. You always hear these stories of like studios, like staffed by people that sound so fucking dense that like, yeah. You know, I I would. It's harder to describe another movie I love, The Master. How, you know, how, like how do you describe <laughs> that? That's harder to understand than The Matrix. Like, well, it wasn't cost as much. Didn't cost. I guess as much. that's probably and, true. And the version of Joel Silver there is Megan Ellison. Oh right, they have a just, he, just he has a, a patron, incredibly rich patron who's a also, huge super fan. And he's I'm pro and patron he, by and, the way. And he's got yeah. some Oscars. I love Patreon. It's a good website. That always helps. <laughs> we it's need all, a that is true. I want more. If we're gonna have these fucking crazy one percent or rich people, they might as well become Medici style patrons. Artist patrons, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so long as they have good taste and they're not insane, which is the other <laughs> downside to a quite incredibly a few, wealthy patron. Quite a few caveats there. <laughs> yeah. Funding a film, right? Put a robot spider in it. <laughs> it's just it feel it's just so funny to like hear, I like what is what is all this? Just that's all I see in my mind's eye when like the you Matrix. think you think of like the Wachowskis like in a room going like, but see they're really actually living in a simulation created by robots that use people's like biochemical like electrical output. What are you? Wait, what are you freaking daffodils talking about? I'm freaking, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm sorry. You just put down a book called Simulacra and Simulacione. What, what are you, some this? kind of pervert? What's a simulacrum? <laughs> simulacra. Is that the space between your balls and your butthole? <laughs> <laughs> and they're just slowly like, can we backtrack no, again to please. scene number one? <laughs> I just, you know, yeah, I understand. Like, I understand more of the trepidation being about propositions for wild logistical and technical achievements but yeah. the story itself i don't understand someone who is like absolutely just like i don't get this stuff damn yeah i mean like with yeah. a, a little bit of it like i don't know, it's weird to think to imagine a time when everyone doesn't know what the matrix is it's true but i get if you're like oh yeah okay so really it's like it's set in a world where like the machines have already taken over 
but we don't find that out until like like I don't know 35 40 minutes into the movie and uh, it's actually in the future um, and uh, and the real world is like a dream world and uh, human beings are batteries um, and then I'm sorry did the 80s all... not happen previously where they made some of the wildest fucking movies I've ever seen yeah <laughs> Kroll yeah come on <laughs> yeah the Kroll. dungeon master what else <laughs> <laughs> what else? God damn it! <laughs> well, like just sci-fi concepts, you know. It's Blade Runner. It's not like it's not like there hasn't been weird shit prior to this. You Labyrinth. know, right. there always has been. I think part of it has to do with just like the different like planes of reality. Probably, yeah. And it's like so. It's like, is are they in a video game? If like, you do, what you, is it? If so you don't have the Matrix, Nintendo? you don't have Inception. Right. I mean, if you yeah, don't have the clear, if you don't have the Matrix, you honestly. The last twenty years look very different because I know I I brought this up in I think like the John Wick episode. It's the nine eleven of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Everything changes afterwards. Matt, we've established this. Shrek is nine eleven of movies. Oh yeah, fuck, dude, said. you're right. I'm so sorry. Same year. Fuck. Um, but really, the biggest impact I think the Matrix had was just the fact that they brought Hong Kong fight choreographers and trained. Like American uh, movie stars extensively, so they could do all the fight scenes. Yeah, and that is just that. Uh, like, look at any fight scene in an American action movie, not like a, a shootout, but like a hand to hand fight scene in an American action movie before, like nineteen ninety nine, and uh, and they look very different. They look slow. Everyone is just throwing big haymakers all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, winding up like Donkey Kong and screaming <laughs> way too long before they even throw a punch. <laughs> but like, uh, that's the thing. Like, uh, <laughs> there's there's the immediate post Matrix movies where yeah. you know people are just like in black leather and stuff like that. And, right. Uh, they had the, his own. They had their own Tarantino style pale echoes of, course. of their own yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, but like. I really, I, I don't think you get like the Bourne movies without the Matrix because the idea of being like, oh, Matt Damon, this celebrated like serious actor, let's train him extensively in like yeah. martial arts, let's so we beef can, this boy up, so we yeah. can like do this stuff. And like, I think you can draw a line to literally, uh, like three years later, Spider Man. Uh, the whole comic book movie boom, so much of it is like influenced by even if it's just, like the display of like superpowers <laughs> in the Matrix. You know that guy it's from the there. Ice Storm, that kid from the Ice Storm, train him in hand to hand combat. <laughs> I want the it kid sound, who yeah. it sounds insane. He should have abs. But like that's <laughs> But that's what happened. It's true. It's just funny. It's funny how many the way you're phrasing it now is just making me laugh because I'm like, how many LA actors know like CQC and like I don't know shit. Like I'm gonna just bump into Gwyneth Paltrow and she'll know how to like throw like a bunch of haymakers. No, Gwyneth Paltrow will like make your like she'll do she'll do Reiki killing. She'll she'll somehow like have weaponized like acupuncture needles and be able to throw. Like now, like it's it's so annoying that like Paul Rudd could probably like chop my head off. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. of course. He knows Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. That's the thing. All these people who've like you know been in Marvel movies or whatever, they've all gotten trained in this stuff. They can all fight. Yeah, they could be the like new militia. Cut. That'd be so. You awesome. don't have you don't have veiny cut Kumail <laughs> if you didn't have the Matrix cut Kumail. <laughs> you know what? That's not wrong. Yeah, and that- the thing is, this is also so, this also like had a huge impact on Keanu himself because like he very one of the things that I I remember hearing about was. Like 
before I was even super doing this for sure or anything else was like how much the like training for those scenes affected his mindset about other stuff. And then you you get him bringing he always brought this super like positive workman like attitude. But now all this fucking combat training is stuff that he brings to specific, very specifically, noticeably John Wick. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff, too. Where oh, it was yeah. Like, yeah. Like we trained Hugo Weaving clearly got a, was that a stunt double or was he doing some of the he's uh, he's doing a lot of that stuff i mean like you you also just look at the way the fight scenes are shot in this movie yeah and it's like they did not hand this over to a second unit and be like yeah just shoot a lot of coverage of the fight scene we'll edit it together like that camera like moves really deliberately they hold on those takes yeah they're it's not just like the fights that are choreographed like the all of the visuals are choreographed like really, really well. And, uh, and it's like, it's them doing so much of it. There's, there's one moment that I always, that I didn't notice for years that I always, uh, love whenever I see it. It's in the dojo fight. Yeah. There is a, and I'm really curious whether it was done in camera or like in post-production. There's a really quick little crash zoom. Have you guys ever noticed that? Yes. Is but it say on, exactly where it is. It's Morpheus hits Neo with both hands in like around like the diaphragm yep. and he flies back and it's super quick. The camera like shoots, like like zooms in and then zooms out in the next shot as he flies back toward the camera. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's really subtle, uh, but also like the camera movement is, is there to enhance the movement of the actors in the space. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really, really well put together. Yeah. It is insane that this is their second movie it's insane it's so insane like you look at just things like in the opening sequence like the split diopter shot as like when through her arm yeah through her arm as the cop is walking from the background it's like like brian de palma didn't get to this point until he made like six movies (laughs) yeah like it's it's crazy and then you look at like the influences that they're pulling in and then, right, like, that shot looks like it's from a De Palma movie. That opening sequence, it's like, you've got noir into, like, a John Woo scene. Yep. There's, like, some, sh- there's this one shot, that I don't, I promise I will not go through the movie shot by shot, because I love all the shots. <laughs> and but, this shot is from a John Ford Western, <laughs> and this one's from Igmar Bergman. But there's, uh, there's a shot when Trinity's, like, running down the hall and looks out over, like, the fire escape. Yeah. And Smith is just down on the ground in the alley with this huge shadow that's casting, like, all the way down the alley. Hmm. It looks like an image out of, like, a German expressionist film. Yeah. It's just, like... She looks down. He's there at the end, but then there's a big light coming from behind him, and his whole shadow, like he he fills like so much of the frame. Yeah, I'm and so curious about, about like you know because Jeff Darrow and who was the other Steve Struss, like having to storyboard. I wonder if 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 doing it in that order like greatly affected suddenly there a lot of what would have been their visual choices. I I am really curious more because instinctively. I I've read interviews with directors yeah, who point. uh. A lot of directors have, like, a good relationship with, like, regular storyboard artists. I know, like, Chris McQuarrie has talked a lot about this, about his artist on, like, the Mission Impossible movies. And uh, about, like, they'll be working together, like, while the script is being developed. And the storyboard artist will, like, bring in so or, like, offer so many ideas or will come up with stuff that will just become a part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, so shots like that, I wonder about that. But then you've got things like then that when they're running on the— the rooftops, and it's like, this is just Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. It's just the opening of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Like, right there with, like, the cops, like, jumping from, like, rooftop to rooftop. Yeah. And it was like, the amount of, like, crazy references this is pulling from, they're just 
all over the place. Yeah, it's, it feels like a Jimmy Neutron brain blast. Yeah, and that's why it's crazy because like the scene where Morpheus first shows up it does. It, <laughs> yeah, like they're having a brain blast. <sighs> and see, Jake's making references here. He's, he's pulling in stuff. Yeah, Jake's you see what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, you see, it was actually it's it, it, what I did there was what I did there was like like how the Wachowskis pulled from Vertigo from Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> I pulled from uh, Bob o- Steve Odekirk and Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> uh, to be clear, Steve Odekirk, I believe, only worked in the Jimmy Neutron movie. He didn't create the uh, show. Mm, no, I think you're wrong, Pat. And I studied. Uh, uh, Odekirk, okay? Yeah, we're students of Odekirk. I think Odekirk is instrumental in the development of the entire show, not just the film. Also, time check. What, where are we at right now? We're honestly only an hour 42 into the episode. I'm really proud of us, but let's, yeah. keep, let's keep the train moving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, should we um, should we talk about Hugo weaving a bit? Yeah, by the way, Steve Odekirk only worked in the Jimmy Neutron movie. Fuck. Yeah. Right. You just got owned. Jake, never doubt me. All right. You fool. One day, one day you will crack and Fly, you will you fall. <laughs> no, honestly, like, I don't want to, like, have this reputation or, like, this concept of me being like, Patrick is always right. Patrick <laughs> knows all movie facts. Oh, you don't because want the... I don't. I'm wrong frequently. You don't want the burden of being an infallible human? <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. Uh, You're I'll... never wrong. No, let's go back and tell stories That's about me. me about me being a cool younger person. Uh, Correcting so... people about rated X. I... Never wrong. Yeah, no, so... <laughs> In, in, when did they stop So in that? high school, uh, what drove me academically was primarily the, uh, it was fear. Mm-hmm. And not fear that like my parents would be mad if my grades slipped. It was because... Your sense it, of self would be damaged. No, it wasn't even my sense of self. It was because my reputation in high school was I am... I wasn't like the number one ranked student in like the grade, but uh, I was like a kid who got good grades i did well uh and then and when when you are you have that like sort of reputation then people will like try to beat you and be like i want to be pat like like (laughs) like like, pat what do you get i want i want to know if i like beat you on this test yeah and i'm just like no i I don't i don't like that i don't i don't want (laughs) i do not want like i i I have to just maintain this and so you know how sometimes, like, uh, when you take a test in, like, history and then the teacher finishes grading the tests and they're like, okay, uh, I got your grades. Um, I can't hand them out just yet, but, like, I'm going to read your name, say yes if you want me to just read your grade, or you can come up and look at it. Yeah. I would always go up and look at it because I was so afraid of discovering that, oops, this is the time that yeah. I got, like, I don't know, like an 85 on a test and everyone's going to go, oh, oh, Patrick didn't, shit. Pat, he didn't get an A. Oh, oh shit. Fucking dumb. Yeah. And uh, that sucks. And yeah. I told, so, yeah, so I would just go up and like look at it privately because uh, when, when you have the reputation of like, he always does really well at this, then yeah. it's like, if you slip up, then it's embarrassing. Yeah. And even and, and one like, day you will. <laughs> and right now I'm like, no, I do I made a joke there, but I'm like, no, I do not want it to like establish that I am always correct. Yeah, and because, I'm always wrong. Because so then, when it, I do get then it right. if I'm wrong, which I surely will be in the very near future, yeah. then I don't want you to win. Patrick, Patrick you should what be you gotta do, place. you get yeah. Yeah, we do what the torpies do, which is be always wrong. Be so writhing in abject failure and 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 <laughs> stupidity so that when you strike a, a, a beam of light every now and again out. Yeah, people give you it's, way more credit than you deserve. And yeah. Pe- yeah. They're like, damn, good job. See, damn. here's the thing. You both did well in school also. I did I did solidly mediocre in school. Yeah. You did well. 
I didn't. I, I I'm. I would not. I did really well until I moved to Saratoga. Oh. And then I did well for a little bit, and then I did. I. I don't know what happened, man. Okay. The downward spiral. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're all in the same place now, and the last of this episode of the podcast has been Patrick was uh, an insufferable ball of anxiety who just lived a miserable life Listen, and drove you, everyone insane. You were just in yeah. the orbit of the truly insane students of our, our our high school class who were like valedictorian and stuff because those people are damaged, and I'm I, I don't mean in like a way where they're like crazy now, but just like you didn't want their life, you didn't want what it took. Th- that's true, yeah. and I, I I will say also. The classes where Not I was like mostly this. like this, where I was like, Not like this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, it tended to not be like in the really in like the AP classes or whatever. I this wasn't as much of a thing. I was a bit more chill in those classes. Yeah, it was just like the, the like the regular history classes, and that's the one where it's like you'll end up in a class where it's like. Just uh, I happen to like get the highest grades in the class. Yeah, and uh, th- this would not happen in like every single class I was in. Again, I was not in like the top ten of our class. I yeah. would just I like to imagine like our salutatorian. She was the first person I saw who like needed to drink coffee in order to not get withdrawal headaches, and th- so that's the kind of person she was. And our our one of our, one of the students we all know. I'm not going to name any names, but no, like well, I know everyone you're talking about, and, and I will say. Um, I didn't know our salutatorian all that well, mm-hmm. but as like high strung as I have explained that I was, I had nothing on her. <laughs> Wild shit. And then yeah. there's this other person who used to claim that uh, he could read license plate numbers phonetically, and he tried to demonstrate it to me, and it was maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I'm not sure I even understand the He's premise. one of those people yeah. that's so smart that he's like hilariously stupid. But like it was he definitely so came from, he definitely came from one of those families where the dad's like 85. All right, you know what this means. And then it's like into the prayer closet. And he's no he's like you, you just something weird like time to wash my you have to wash dad's feet. Get the bowl. And he's just like oh, he's on his knees like scrubbing his dad's feet and Get he's the like scrub bowl. He's like yes. <laughs> Like that's the like kind of weird like mind fuckery I see. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, And it was all self imposed. To to be extremely clear, my parents were so chill about all of this. Your parents are chill. Yeah. Yeah. My parents also, neither of them were like elites. My my mom was like not, never a great student. Yeah. And uh, my dad was a great student in high school. And then just like rebelled against all of it, was like, fuck that. I'm gonna go to Oberlin and like do drugs and grow up yeah. my hair yeah. and like play sports. Yeah. And uh uh and, and then like quit grad school. And yeah. um yeah, my parents were like not they were not strict. They did not they were I They're think cooler I did, than you. They're way cooler yeah. than me. And I think I just did well in school because I just started it and then I was like a snowballing. Uh, I, I was sense like, I don't want to. Ch- yeah, I just felt a personal responsibility. Yeah, and uh, my parents would like. It, it got as we went through high school. My dad was really just like, Patrick, you just. I just want you to get into a good college. He he believed very strongly that going to just like a not like a school with that had a huge like like reputation. It wasn't like you have to go to an Ivy League school. He's like, I want you to go to a good school where you'll just be surrounded by very smart people for four years. And I think that'll be an important environment to be in to grow. And he's like, I just, just please get into a good school. And that was it. That was his priority. And you went to your pater's alma mater. 
Hmm. Matt, that was good. Yeah. yeah. All my well, so what else is going on with him? And to be clear, I probably only got into Oberlin because my dad went there and I was a legacy student. Hell yeah. Nice, Gotta dude. Be that legacy, legacy of Kane. <laughs> Defiance. Defiance. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good episode, right? It is a good uh, episode. It's what about else Matrix. Do you, you want to talk about Hugo Weaving now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm let's not trying talk- to force an issue, but... No, let's talk- I don't want to talk about Hugo Weaving. Not yet. Why are you forcing this on me? <laughs> Hugo Weaving, who's not going to be in Matrix 4... Yeah, and not thi- cool, guys. The thing about that is also, again, we'll talk about this he more. Saw, he saw Matrix. He was in Matrix two and three. Like he's he like, dies nah. at the well. He dies in this one, and then he dies r- like real big at he, the end of three. Yeah, he explodes. But it's also like when I heard that he's not going to be in three because of or four because of scheduling issues. Yeah. I was sad, not because I need him to be in it, but I was like, that means that. They like, have to adjust uh, the script. Like, like, Neo and Trinity are also dead, but, like, they have some sort of plan, and I just want Lana Wachowski's plan to be realized, like, without having to make compromises. But they, they just do... Well, it's too, he's too iconic, so they do have to remove it. I was about to say they just do what they did with the Oracle, right? The actress who died... After the second movie, right? And well, they had to recast in the third di- one? Yeah, she died like during production. Right. Oh, also, we're going to get into this because I yeah. have I have thoughts about the whole Oracle recasting. I oh. disagree with the choice they made. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's, a, but that's, that's that for is for a later episode. episode. Yeah. But uh, we'll get into that in like, I don't know, months from now. But you can't do that with Hugo Weaving is my only point. He's so iconic that it's probably on, I mean, it's you, probably better to just remove his character. You can, you just won't get the one like one of the fun, most fun captivating performances in the whole first Series. movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what I'm going to put this on the like uh, on a similar level with? Well, so Hugo Weaving, an Australian actor. A lot of this cast is Australian. Yeah. Obviously, that's how you get everyone's favorite guy, Elon Sleazebagano, in the role of Mouse. <laughs> Jake, you know what I'm talking Elon about. Elon Sleazebagano. Is an Australian? Well, that's not his real name. What's his name? That That's that's a character he plays in Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Oh. You know when he's the guy who's like, want to buy some death sticks? And Obi-Wan Kenobi says, you don't want to sell me death sticks. He goes, I don't want to sell you death sticks. Oh. Want to go home and rethink your life. That wow. guy looks like Jimmy Neutron a little bit. Man, I have not seen spe- Attack of the in Clones, Clones in when he has like, he's got like the, like, yeah. like the fur around his head, yeah. like the antennae. And his, cause his head's big, just normal. Death sticks. It is. <laughs> just casually smoking a death stick. Yeah. But that's it. Oh, cause uh, Attack the Clones, they shot it in Australia, and so that's how he ended up in that movie. Well, Crikey. because Hugo Weaving, the, I think the fact that he's Australian and doing an English accent, or an American, rather, accent is, like, part of what makes his cadence so interesting. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. But, like, v- you vocal, go through his filmography, and, like, his, I think he was Virus. best known for um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Right, of course. In 94. <sighs> Love Priscilla. A movie Queen where he plays <laughs> a drag queen... Uh, you know, alongside Guy Pierce. Oh yeah! Oh shit! I Holy did see shit. that. I remember Fuck. this movie. Sorry, I didn't recognize the title, but I've definitely seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert on like TV or something. Yeah. Um, and then Damn. he plays the voice of uh, Guy Pierce is a good drag queen. Yeah. yeah. So does Hugo. And then Hugo is the voice of Rex the dog in both Babe movies, because of course uh, Find Babe George and Miller productions. Babe. And then Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, Babe Pig in the City is also the year before. He was, no. Jake, Babe Pig in the City is 
the is it the movie he did before The Matrix? That is the previous credit on his filmography. What's on this guy's? Those resume? movies are good as shit, though. Right, Val but, Kilmer, you're fired. What's on this but guy's no, resume? I I would put because but like two American audiences, Hugo Weaving, not well known. Right, I would put this on the on the level of like in terms of like impact. This is Alan Rickman in Die Hard, mm-hmm. where that's like his first movie. He shows up unknown immediately iconic villain that is then like quoted and referenced for decades yeah i would say yeah not quite the same but i I, my immediate comparison a little hyperbolically was christoph waltz right as just another person who's like who the fuck is this awesome just popping out of germany yeah Yeah, no introduction necessary how have i never seen him before because he's like he's he's the best he's doing almost kind of like that uh because he does these great like random grimaces he almost looks like if he just put the the Judge Dread helmet on, his mouth would oh, be the perfect shit. mouth for Judge. We, Dredd. You're talking it weaving. Would. I'm talking Hugo weaving, baby. Yeah. You're talking weaving. As much as I love Dread, you know who looks a little like Hugo weaving, who is I think a New Zealander, is Sam Neill. Sam Neill is the only other guy I can think of that might yeah. have been fun as How Agent is Smith. Sam Neill not in Lord of the Rings? Right? How did that happen? He loves he's just hanging out with his pigs now. He doesn't need to be a movie. Nobody told him that they were shooting it. They just forgot. And he, and, and Why weird, didn't anyone tell me that yeah. there was a movie being filmed here? <laughs> I love Lord of the Rings. And he like he's not even in the Hobbit movies. Yeah, that is a big fucking, like, fucking boner that was pulled fucked, by what us. A boner by PJ. Mr. Jackson. What's the deal? Yeah, what a P- fucking gaff. But like, okay, yeah. you look at Hugo Weaving. He first shows up in this movie. He steps out of the car wearing sunglasses at night. And uh, and his very Baller first move. line, just the way he says, Lieutenant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Instantly you're like, Lieutenant. this guy rules. And then the way he like tilts his head up and says, the orders were for your protection. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then, and then of course, that uh, just like the beautiful, beautiful delivery. Like when I remember seeing this for the first time being like, what is going on? Where he just turns back and says, no, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. I remember that line very well. Like yeah. that's a good moment in whenever, like maybe the first or second time that I watched this movie, that was one of those things that you're like, oh, right. shit, what's going and on? And it's funny because yeah. Hugo men Weaving, he's dead. not in, like he has that initial dialogue scene, but he's not chasing Trinity. It's the other agents uh, who are, you know, jumping over rooftops. What are their like names, that. by the way? Those uh, guys seem like they're absolute dweebs out of the outside of this movie. Uh, yeah. Agent Brown or Agent Jones. Ugh. I mean, what do you delete think? them? What do you think they're gonna be? <laughs> Smith, Brown, and Jones. They're just like Smith, Brown, and Jones. I like that. call one eight hundred eight five five Smith, Brown, and Jones to save your life. <laughs> yeah, and they I, would be a good. Uh, yeah, we should get like a legal they firm are, commercial from them. They do not have many other notable roles. They've all <laughs> seen, apparently been like working actors, but yeah. but like for instance, one of the main agents in Reloaded is um oh my god, what he's the guy uh he's like <laughs> no he he's the high kick and turtleneck wearing guy in the first John Wick. You know that John oh, Wick fights and oh, like, that high kick and turtleneck wear, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> The guy in the club that he fights, uh, he's like one of the like the the chief security guys for the Russian mob. Oh, da- da- uh, Daniel Reinhardt. Yeah, sure. You know, no, no, funny? and, and he's, he's also the guy in the best episode of Barry. Yeah, I never Barry? saw Barry. Yeah, I haven't. No. Fuck, oh. Why is this podcast the one thing that makes me feel like I haven't seen shit ever? 
I've never seen like anything that we're talking about. Don't worry about it, man. It's frustrating. It is. Yeah. Imagine if Agent Brown was the main agent and Agent Brown just sounds like some medicine you have to take so that you don't have diarrhea all the time. <laughs> hey, listen, it's because we're reading literature. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm oh, sorry. Da- Daniel Bernhardt. Reading cool stories. <laughs> I'm reading Dostoevsky. Well, we're about two hours into the episode, so I know this is off topic, but I am reading a book that's called Mating by Norman Rush. Ooh, and uh, like two days ago, I was the... I was I was reading it, and uh, a, a a teenager on the train said, <laughs> "Mating." <laughs> yeah. And then he as I was it. on the platform and then as the doors were closing, he just threw up some deuces and like the train just went away. <laughs> nice, dude. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that a teenager just willingly talked to someone, to a stranger in New York City. Talked is a strong, he, he <laughs> said one word. He knew the train doors were closing soon and just said, <laughs> mating. That's so funny. And I was like, don't bully me. Yeah, you want to know what somebody, one kid did one time while the doors were closing? On the subway, and I was just leaning against the opposite doors. Yeah, they stepped out. I never figured out. It was like amazing how they did this. They were like a sleight of hand, you know, savant. They, as the doors were closing, they walked past, and the kid flicked with his thumb a Cheeto through the doors as they closed, and it hit me right in the nose. <laughs> And then the doors just sealed, and I could see them silently, like, Damn. double back and laugh, and I just had dust all over my face, because it, like, poofed into the oh, air. Man. That kid's awesome. And I, I started laughing, too, because it was just, like, it was so funny that I, I was, like, respect, where, yeah, like, that's, that's amazing. That's all you, you gotta have. That's so Dude, good. Dude, you hit me right in the schnoz with a Cheeto. Yeah, like, fucking hella respect to that guy. Yeah, I was like, that was pretty tight. All right. All right. So anyway, um, it was like 9 p.m. I was like on my way to the Bronx or something. <laughs> oh, guys, I found the Val Kilmer quote. Finally. I've been so distracted for the past hour trying to find cool. this. We were filling it with gold. <laughs> Truly. Cheeto dust. Uh, okay. So this was from uh, a, a retrospective of like how the Matrix got made from last year in Wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so apparently the Wachowskis always wanted Lawrence Fishburne for the role of Morpheus. It says, but studio execs were worried that Fishburne, despite having won both an Emmy and a Tony, wasn't well, well enough known for overseas for the role. Mm. Their choice was Val Kilmer, who'd recently played the Dark Knight in 1995's hit Batman Forever, but who'd earned a reputation as a not-worth-the-drama nuisance during the filming of a recent remake of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Yep. Quite a feat, considering that his co-star was the legendarily impossible yeah. Marlon Brando, who spent part of the Moreau shoot waddling around with an ice bucket on his head <laughs> I uh, fucking streetcar name desire <laughs> I love Marlon Brando what he's, a guy he's nuts so he's yeah and by the way if anyone has not seen the movie uh, was it Lost Soul the tortured journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau that gets into all oh, of the insane so shit that both Val Kilmer and especially Marlon Brando did on on the side of that movie it's you gotta see it but then so uh, Lorenzo de, uh, de Bonaventura who was uh a, I believe a producer on the movie at the time, but then became the head of Warner Brothers. Uh, he says, uh, the Wachowskis had heard all the stories about Val, and I said, yeah, but it gets the movie made. So we have a meeting with him at the Bel Air Hotel, where he proceeds to pitch why Morpheus should be the lead of the movie. <laughs> I knew within two minutes of the meeting we were dead. <laughs> 
I mean... So listen, I just read The Matrix. I read your script, and I have a couple of... Uh, I can't... Do, there's... Yeah. It's so funny, because, like... Oh, interestingly, uh, apparently Jada Pinkett Smith auditioned for Trinity. That makes more sense, and she yeah. was... She got brought back as Niobe, and yeah. she says... She was uh, in it later. She says uh, she and Keanu just didn't have any chemistry. That also <laughs> makes sense. Jada Pinkett seems like a... a, a a tough person to, I don't know. Well, her, her and Will are just like media moguls now. Like I said, they are. She's like, they seem like such a Hollywood couple and yeah. like the sense of like, you're just like, you're aliens. Yeah. They you belong they, in the matrix. You're they not, are you're not aliens. Zion. Hey, she's yeah. coming back from matrix four. Carrie Ann Moss is a great way to go though, because like she also does bring that like very like icy energy but she, she can like melt it off. She's fascinating, Pat. Do you know what she what her career is like a little bit, uh, or should we dig into this together? Yeah, she. I feel is, like she has a somewhat sad story. I just don't not, understand not, her not, as an actress. Really, like I don't know if she was in notable things before. Not trauma, this. but just shit drying up for her. She had less of a career. It feels like yeah than any. But but the, the, import, other. the important thing is she did finally get to co-star with Val Kilmer in Red Planet. Oh, good. Oh, thank God. But I... Uh, I was very excited for that movie when I saw a trailer, though. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It came out the like, like, same year as Mission to Mars. I saw neither. Um, but no, she was basically unknown. I think she was just in, a, like, Canadian stuff. I'm looking through, like, what she did before. She was on a bunch of TV shows, like an episode of a show called Nowhere Man, a show called Due South. She's in a movie mm. called Sabotage in 96. Mm. She's in a movie in 96 called 364 Girls a Year. Okay. She was on 22 episodes huh. of a TV show called FX The Series. A movie so, called, and then the movie before The Matrix was called The Secret Life of Algernon. Oh, not flowers. flowers. No, not flowers. No, the Secret Life of Algernon. Interesting. And uh, so, I'm looking at this. It's, it's like, <laughs> comedy? What? But yeah, but she was basically like unknown. No one knew who she was. How did she get cast in the movie? She auditioned. She just auditioned <laughs> and she freaking crushed it, huh? She did. I mean, That's like... That's great. Like, mm. uh, again, I... She's like, I, I, can't, I can't imagine anyone else doing that. Yeah. And she has, you know... As some of she she does also fit that type of like the uh, Keanu's female co-stars throughout yes. his filmography, but also like you know she has the again that like steely icy energy yeah uh, that complements him really well right you were saying she is looks like girl Keanu in this film she does yeah yeah and uh, but uh, but also at the same time she has I think like the right kind of look uh, and I think this is part of why she works well in Memento but for like a noir film. Like yeah. you look at like that kind of lighting and the way it like hits her face and with it's her like dark hair. She, she's kind of like, she's got the, the, the face that play the chiaroscuro shading plays well. Like uh kind of like Sean Young in Blade Runner a little bit. Uh, I'd, I'd say a lot like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then obviously she can do all the action stuff and it's just surprising that she didn't get more of a bump from this because she's got memento the following year. And then I, she's in shock a lot. And then the Matrix, I mean, that's three for three, right? Right. I mean, Chocolat's great. Then, the, then there's the Matrix, the Matrix sequels. <laughs> but then, and then things just kind of, and, and then like Red Planet also the following year, and then things kind of chill out, and then she's kind of found like a, a new career like on TV in like the past Back to like, her roots. Decade. Anybody see the Bye Bye Man? <laughs> Nope, and that's good. Uh, I, I, I bye like bye man. 
I liked her in the first season of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, I just uh, I just wonder why um, she. But uh, they it, it, up. she very much seems to get cast as like she is like an intense like icy woman. Yeah, yeah. That I, that is really it. Her yeah, her physical features kind of like lend that kind of casting, I guess. Right, but it, I mean. I'm honestly surprised that she didn't just end up in like a whole bunch of action roles. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You could see that just being like, oh, great. She's a new female action star. She's been, I mean, in, she was in three, like, in, I mean, the, we'll get into this, but the scorpion kick is another thing that I absolutely just will never forget for as long as I live. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, you can't do that, but that's cool. I mean, honestly, she really does need to get brought into the John Wick universe. This is like, I mean, especially for a, for a series that has been referencing the Matrix every single time they make a new movie, right? Yeah. But like, you know, you know the way she shows up in, in the first scene, we yeah. no one knows who this actor is. Yeah, like we've never seen her before in anything, and then immediately, yeah. like that, after eight minutes, I'm like, I want to watch a series of movies about her. Yeah, they should do a Matrix. Pre- well, you could do Irishman CGI de aging. <laughs> And then do a Matrix prequel where she fucking kicks the shit out of everybody and it's yeah. more Morpheus. And they're trying to find Neo. So it's about like a series of mistaken like, this guy? Nah. You know? <laughs> and then they, they so, and then every time they make a mistake, they have to, you know, like kill the guy or whatever. That's, Good one, yes. Jake. Yeah. So. so actually, uh, here's, a, here's a discussion topic I, I want to float out there. <laughs> Uh, how does everyone feel about, there's not a lot of in this movie, but about the romance in The Matrix? It's beautiful. Because <laughs> it comes in kind of late, how the Oracle told her that she would fall in love with the one. And so, well, her revealing that comes in late, but her glances to Thomas Anderson. And even the... The, the entire movie suggests that she's been feeling that Is the his whole name time. Thomas Anderson? Yeah, Thomas Anderson. Thomas Anderson. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I knew Mr. Anderson the whole time, but I just forgot it was Tom. I mean, he, he Tom played... Tom Anderson, yeah. Keanu plays a lot of John, so it makes sense to be John if Anderson. If it was John Anderson, it would be so good. <laughs> <laughs> Close to the edge, down, down by, by the, the corner. But, like, before anyone shows up in the movie, when you just hear that those opening lines, uh, the voice or the conversation between her and Cypher, yeah. he's like, you like him, don't you? You like watching him. I know. And so she's been keeping tabs on him for a while. Yeah. But um, but I think an interesting You're thing like, about The Matrix it. is it's a much bigger deal in the sequels, but about the fact that there is... Okay, this is what's funny to me. Uh, the Matrix is the only thing the Wachowskis ever made that connected with audiences everywhere. Yeah. Nothing they've ever made since then <laughs> has, has full-on, yeah. like, just, like, worked for everyone. It's usually been a yeah. thing like... It is passionately embraced by a small group of people, and it alienates a lot of general audiences. Uh-huh. And the Wachowskis are also, they're very sincere and kind of corny, and a lot of the things that they've made kind of in the end come down to, we need to love each other, or yes. we need to like all like be together and care about each other. And like it's it, it's very much... For for people who are most famous for making like a really slick badass cyberpunk thing, yeah. they're kind of goofy hippies yeah. who want who are mm. all into everyone being connected and uh, and love being the thing that saves the day and connects everyone. Yeah, and it's literally love conquers all. Like he's resurrected by a kiss. Well, sort of. This, this is another thing I, I wanted to talk about because, but like, I, I just think it's interesting that it is even in this movie. At the end, she like confesses her love for him, and then he comes back. Yeah, and it's such a small part of the movie, uh, because 
like this does not seem like a big budding love story. No, it does not. And then there's a little bit of it right at the end. I, for whatever reason, still find it affecting. I, I like, like the it. little kiss of unconscious Tom Anderson on the chair, mm-hmm. and then it literally zaps his like avatar back to life. I like that she. It's weird. I like that there's um that there's a religious tinge to everything as well. Because yeah. I mean, he, he, obviously, like Keanu is a like absolutely ob- like just a big glowing Christ figure type. Just wait until the third movie. Yeah, I mean, right. Which gets... is which is absolutely confirmed with fireworks later. But it becomes like, like the movie's weakness later. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of become the weakness. But I, what I do like. Because I like the religiosity of Morpheus. I think that makes his character really fun. The fact that he's like a, just like a zealot. Right. Like, I bl- That's one thing I like in Reloaded when you learn like, oh, not everyone is on the same page as Morpheus. A lot right. of people think he's a wacko. Yeah. Right. You, you get a, yeah, you, I like you get a little soupçon of that with uh, Cypher. Yeah. Uh, who is my favorite character. Uh, next to Tank. It's hard not to love Cypher and Tank because they're the most human characters in the entire film. Yeah. Yes, they are. But so my only point being was like, I think uh, uh, I like the religious tinge to Trinity's enamor with uh, Amor for Neo. Like I, yeah. I think it's a little, it's a little weirder than than is like than is like pure love, because I think she sees him as a Christ figure, some sort of savior, and there's like. It's like a come to Jesus moment for her. That and kiss. she's like, I want to wed myself to this almost to religious figure. Yeah. And I, I only see Morpheus as a conduit to seeing the real prophet. Yeah. Right. And doesn't yeah. that make the orgy scene in the second movie weird? Huh? Because you see like, yeah, with all the stigmata <laughs> nodes, but like you, you see, you see her like, she gets disappointed in a way that makes me feel like when Neo is exhibiting, maybe like he's not the one. She's like, oh, and like right. and only only gross. when he starts kicking ass later is she back on board again. Kind Wait, of. here's a here's an uh, an idea that'll really bake your noodle. Ooh, I my noodle is undercooked right now. Please bake it. Ugh, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, uh, so, you know when the oracle says, <laughs> what says really you bake- know what'll really bake your noodle yeah. <laughs> is would you still have broken the vase if I hadn't said anything? Yeah. Would Trinity have still fallen in love with Neo if the Oracle hadn't said, you'll fall in love with the One? Fuck, dude. Don't even say... Why did you say that? I'm just throwing it out there. Because here's another thing that I was thinking about when watching it this time. You know when they're in... After they've rescued Morpheus and they're in the subway station. Yeah. And uh, right before Smith, uh, Smith shows up, uh, when Trinity and Neo are there, before she picks up the phone... Uh, she says, everything the Oracle has told me has come true, everything except for this. And he's like, go, tell me when I get back. Yeah. And she never finishes talking. What do you guys think she was going to say? Because I don't think it was, the Oracle said I would fall in love with you. And that's not happening. Come true. Right. I, I have my opinion or my take on this. I just want to know if you guys thought about this. I haven't, but... The first thing that pops into my head is like everything that the Oracle said comes true. Everything except this is that I think Keanu Reeves earlier in the movie has already cued them in that he was told by the Oracle he would have to make a choice between Morpheus and himself. And he's obviously choosing, you know, Morpheus's life over that. So she might be buying into his 
notion that it's like it seems like based on what the oracle told you one of you guys has to die and morpheus obviously just made it out and this is not fitting into my preconceived notion of falling in love with the one if it seems like all things considered you're gonna die right maybe i don't know i think it, that one confused me i actually that's don't, a weird line now I that actually, i'm thinking about it i actually don't have a thought on it because like it's like it's one that i honestly did not think about that much until very recently Tell us your thoughts. But it did feel like a. It did feel like yeah. Suddenly weirder after she admits being in love at the end. Right. So. I I think that it's that the one is going to die. I think it's that you are yeah. going to fall in love with the one and he's going to die. And so because the way she sounds worried when she says everything's come true except for this, and she's like, "You haven't died yet," is essentially what her worry is. Yeah. Or like, like something is going to happen. Yeah. And uh, and so that's kind of. So that's why I don't fully believe that it's like that he's he is brought back fully because of just like the power of love. I think it's that he can't really become the one until he dies. He needs to do the Jesus thing. He needs to do the Jesus thing. He needs thing. to like come back more powerful than you can possibly imagine. But Carrie Ann Moss knows that that he has to die first before he can come back because then at the end she's like but you can't be dead because you're the one. Right, but that's her yeah. belief coming that's her in. Belief. Right. And that's the but prophecy being. I I'm just going to say because of her, the concern on her face when she's like everything the oracle has told me has come true except for this. I think it's that uh the one is going to uh, the, like you're going I I I bet the oracle said you're going to fall in love with the one, and the one is going to die. Yeah. Here's my question. Yeah. I like nice. that everyone's sort of religious in this. I like the culty aspect to the ship. I like that it's called Nebuchadnezzar. I like that Zion is the place. Uh, I was not in isolation with this movie. I am not convinced that I fully think the machines are bad. For harvesting humans as batteries? I just, like, all things considered... People deserve. I don't it. know. I don't know who. I, no, I, I don't know. Uh, I just. I, I don't know who I'm rooting for as much as I thought I would. That's interesting. <laughs> it's gonna be really interesting talking about the sequels with you, having just rewatched them both last year. Because, like, man, like, I don't know. Like, humans made AI. It started self-replicating. They're the ones that destroyed the whole planet by like obscuring the sun to try in a desperate attempt to kill the AI. Right. They're like, you're solar powered. I Shit. don't. I don't think Agent Smith's virus analogy isn't is like completely off base and Me like neither. what a, also and they get to be put well, in the apex a quote-unquote apex of their civilization 1999 1999 what if that's it it just that like like humanity never peaked from like when shasta McNasty was on the air yeah. <laughs> so it's like they never have to live because uh, the role of the one is to return to the source in the sequel and uh, and reboot the Matrix. Yeah. So we never have to deal with a world in which Shasta McNasty has been canceled. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly right. That is actually and the architect is just the showrunner for Shasta McNasty. <laughs> <laughs> just some Chuck Lorre dude. Shasta McNasty is concordantly made. The architect is Jake Busey. <laughs> so like, I just like you know the machines have. Uh, then done this organ harvesting thing as a way to cope with what humans did in a retaliatory military strike. And I'm just like, I need to know more about this war before I can really say that based on their, the circumstances caused by human beings, this was the best option. And the, the machines are being more benevolent than like in the Terminator where they're just killing everybody. They're at least giving people these, this like alternate life to completely live in. 
I'm not, I know I'm right. being like an NPC advocate, basically. But you're like, no, blue killing us right now. <laughs> but you know like, that but that, juicy but, and delicious. But that is the thing. They're they, they are like they are keeping the humans like, like ignorant and complacent, but like happy because right. they don't know anything right. more. And so because it's like you choose whether or not you want to like face the brutality of the world as it is and try and then right. make it better. But this this also gets into the ending of revolutions. Which and we'll talk about that when we get there. But it, what you're bringing up right now is, um, I've forgotten both other movies, so uh, I'm basically just reacting to. It's this. fine. I, I'm excited to talk about them. But uh, but with you talking about like the war between the, the humans and the machines, it makes me wonder because he is briefly in it. Do we cover the Animatrix in some way? Because uh, do you guys have seen the Animatrix, right? Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. you remember while back. um uh two of the the shorts it's the second renaissance parts 1 and 2 and it is just like the historical record of the beginning of of like how this happened. Yeah, let's do a bonus ode. We could. It's like because I remember really liking the second renaissance. That was one of the ones they released before Reloaded came out. If you didn't have yeah. Animatrix, you don't have the shorts before Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, and exactly. that's, that would yeah. be a crime for those yeah. to not exist. Yeah, including an anime sequence. <laughs> but like that, the second Renaissance is really cool. And uh, and I remember it, it's like There's the way good it's, stuff. The yeah. way it's presented is it's like this is in the machine. It's like this is the machine's accounting of what happened. But it basically goes right. through like here's the history of like mankind creating AI, and here's the first time like here's like the when a robot was like like dest- attacked or destroyed for the first time. And here's the beginnings of violence and here's the war broke out. Here's how the sky got scorched, all of that stuff. But yeah, but I mean, Matt, you, you do raise an interesting question. I mean, they're coded as evil because they look like spiders and, and squids. Yeah. And you know, ew, spooky. Yeah, yeah. It's like everything is made to be as inhuman and, but still evoking like natural fears as possible. But like really fundamentally, I'm not sure. I like this is why I like the movie. I like I like Cipher dissenting and uh you know, while I think I'm supposed to hate this notion that I'm just I just don't there's not much uh that you get to know about yeah, the cause of anything, which is a problem for me in my decision making about who deserves what because I don't understand right. the AI. They look scary. And the humans are in rags, and they're me. So I'm supposed to be like, yeah, for sure, <laughs> that's me. Um, and right, I forget well, the other two movies. And so. to be fair, also sure. humans who are not a part of uh, this system, but the machines do just murder. They do just kill them because they are now useless. Yeah, just that's no malfunctioning. Battery. Yeah, whatever. that's like if my Duracells came out of their plastic casing and started running around my house. I like they add like a I little... have to kind of like stomp on them or something. <laughs> they add a little you know? soylent green in there too, with like yeah. the the dead bodies of of drained people I've are watched then them liquefy the dead are liquefied intravenously to the living <laughs> yeah I mean that is a pretty cool okay. can we also just like a, a thing that I want to bring up here is um I think Matt you mentioned a while back that this movie does have like multiple big exposition dumps yeah and they're like my favorite exposition dumps ever they're done so stylishly well yeah th- that's the thing it's because when you find when they go into the construct and Morpheus explains what, to Neo what the Matrix is, we have been asking the same question for so long. So right now, so at that point, we're, we're just like, please, 
we like we just want exposition. Just yeah. tell us. Please dump this info. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they tell it to us all, but it's all visualized. You look at the way that's put together. It's like you go through the TV screen, you see this like d- ruined skyline yeah. of old buildings. The camera swoops down a cliff. Kapow. They're there in the chairs. Also, I pointed out to Matt when we were watching. Last summer in person, I did encounter those chairs Blamo. and the television. And uh, and I was like a foot away. I was not allowed to touch them. Oh. Uh, I said to them, they were in the prop room at Warner Brothers Studios, but they were so, I was more excited about those chairs than like anything else. Damn, <laughs> imagine just sitting in the soft squeak they make and you just go, welcome to the desert of the, the real. real. I know. <laughs> but then and the, then you get tased by Warner Brothers yeah. security. Sir, you are not allowed. To- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there like, word. <laughs> an electrode enters your head welcome to the <laughs> but you look at the way that the whole thing is put together and how much the visual effects in that scene yeah. hold up to this day the visual effects really hold up for the entire film there's yeah. like a few sparse moments where I'm like I can like when there's just fully CGI shots where like the robots are flying through a tunnel even the robots like, that's 100% CGI and I can see a little bit of the cracks but, like, for instance, but in the scene where Neo wakes up in the pod for me, the only thing that looks dated in that is the shot when the robot comes down and like extends its like screen head toward yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Everything else, all of the other stacks of like power plants, yeah, all look great. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's like, what is this? A Odd World, Abe's Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Get out of here. It's no, like the, the 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 cheesiest thing to me was, or not cheesiest, but like the the honestly the most notable thing to me was the physics of the door hitting as like the lobby is exploded at the end. Oh, oh the door yeah. bouncing across bouncing the lobby. Bouncing and having an unreal amount of like lag time between it bouncing and then like With bouncing. That, that explosion. Yeah. That yeah. still looks like, I, I'm still not entirely clear on how they did that shot and yeah. like what aspects are digital and what are practical. Yeah. yeah. That door has got to be CGI, huh? It is. Yeah, that's 100%. It's really it's really wild. Yeah. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about? <laughs> Should we just like... And we, 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 the thing is with <laughs> no, the trilogy is we we can like... Car- things carry over. They do. But, that is true. But, but, but things, this movie is so freaking foundational. Things that... Uh, okay, actually, one thing that doesn't carry over that I want to yeah. talk about is my guy Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Okay, so I'm going to tell another anecdote about my dad. Okay. Yeah, go for it. And a thing that Joey Pants in this movie reminds me of. Again, we're going back to 1999 with my dad. Right. And I remember uh, when my dad took me to see Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Which, as an 11-year-old, I thought was great. Um, <laughs> and <Wow>. good movie. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember... Darth Maul. And it's... Not only do I remember that this conversation happened when we were driving home, I remember where we were geographically uh, in the <laughs> in the drive between the Wilton Mall and my parents' house when uh-huh. my dad said this. And um, I, I, I imagine now, thinking back, my dad probably was not crazy about the movie because it's not great. No. Um, <laughs> not if you've seen the, like, probably seen them in theaters, the original. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. I'm not sure my dad saw all the, the original Star Wars movies in theaters. He was not super up on, like, 
blockbuster movies. Your dad was so cool. He was probably like, Star Wars is kind of stupid. Yeah, I think he's not the original, but my dad took me to see the special editions of Empire Strikes Back (laughs) and Return of the Jedi. And uh, and those... uh, uh, And my dad and I still talk about to this day that the time that because (laughs) there was a... We tried to go see Space Jam in this 97 and, and there, failed. Yes. And the listing in the movie and like the movie times, the paper were wrong. And then at the other no. theater in town, he, he was like, what else is playing? And I was like, uh, Empire Strikes Back just came out. And he's like, let's rush over and see if we can catch it. We, we arrive in right. And it's like an almost sold out theater right as like the Star Wars logo is hitting the screen. Oh, tight. My dad maybe had just not seen that movie in like the past 17 years yeah. at all. And I just remember afterwards, he was like, man, that was great. What a good movie. Anyway, skipping back <laughs> ahead to when we're driving home from seeing The Phantom Menace. And, and I just remember he, he wasn't like going to like trash the movie to right. like his son. But he was like, you didn't like it, did you? You're an idiot. <laughs> but it, what he said to me was, was, you know what I think that was missing? And I was like, what's that, dad? He goes, a guy like... A guy like Han Solo, who just kind of, you know, the guy who's kind of cynical and thinks everything going on is kind of silly. And I was like, yeah, I guess, Dad. Whatever. Whatever. But Jar Jar, I, though. Yeah. yeah. What a guy. Uh, but then I thought about that. I, I continued to for years. <laughs> and you look at the, the prequels and it's like, man, they really could use someone like Han Solo. Yeah. Someone like Harrison Ford just being like, look, this is all is this dumb. Shit? Shut up, Jar Jar. I hate politicians. Exactly. No, you could not. <laughs> but it, like, I hate the Armenian alien race or whatever George Lucas said in there. <laughs> but that character, like, Hansel was so essential to why the original Star Wars movies work. And right. I, I really think, even though it's a, a much different role, that Cypher adds a similar energy. It's true. Cypher is necessary. Yeah, to this movie because like everyone is so stoic and like, you know, we believe in the prophecy of the one. Right. All of that. And even Tank, who is more human, is like the way he talks is not like anyone talks. He's an Mm. enthused... It's a very exciting time. Yeah, he's a very enthused acolyte. Oh, Morpheus! He's a major boring shit. (laughs) 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 It's like... Yeah, his deliveries are so weird. Yeah. um, But then you got Cypher, who's the guy who's like, hey, you want a drink? Yeah. Hey, it's kind of dumb, isn't it? Yeah. You know... He he says what everyone's been thinking, which is like... I don't recall you bringing me breakfast right or dinner or just yeah. like so you're gonna save the world that what must a, be a, what a mind fuck yeah or does he say mind fuck no he says mind job oh yeah what, what a, a mind no one says fuck what a mind job what a yeah mind job. But, but then he gives me the, the drink and he's like good shit huh yeah yeah Dozer makes it it's good for he's, two he's, things he's he's super necessary killing brain cells sorry <laughs> i know this whole movie it's so good but yeah but like that's the thing and, and keanu is the worst drinking buddy and he's just <laughs> like he's just like Oh, thanks. Oh, Juicy and delicious. If you had to ask any person bum off the street what they remember from this fucking movie, it's going to be like probably the virus monologue and. Oh, in terms of dialogue? Yeah, yeah. and juicy and delicious. The, the steak. Matrix is telling me that this steak is juicy and delicious. And delicious. Oh, it's so good. It, and that steak looks so fucking juicy and delicious. <laughs> yeah. I want to eat it, it looks so like bad. And, and the transition between that steak and then you cut back and tank. Just go, like opens the nozzle of goop. Yeah, they're all eating, and you're just like, no, I, I get Cipher's point. Well, the goop I is would... actually full of essential amino acids. Yeah, shut up, 
Shut up, Dozer. I think <laughs> Dozer. Mouse, is it Mouse no. that's saying that? Yeah. I thought? No, 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 no. Dozer he says the tasty like, wheat thing. Oh yeah, no. He, he's like uh, the tasty wheat well, line is pretty good. Yeah, everything he's the, bo- like, the body needs, and then Mouse like <laughs> doesn't have everything the body needs. Yeah, <laughs> the body needs also a woman in red. <laughs> but like, it, it's weird. Also, these characters hey, we, don't, we know nothing about Chill these out. characters. They don't do much. They have like no backstories. They yeah. barely have personalities. So I'm just like. Switch and APOC. I miss them so much. It's yeah. like, I want to know more about them. Oh, actually, not like I don't this. miss APOC, honestly. Uh, APOC got the least amount to do. APOC, did, excuse me, the uh, the part when APOC spins the gun around and hands it to Neo and says, I hope the Oracle gave you some good news. Oh, uh, it's not, but that I just like shows that. what could have been, you know? Yeah. I know, but uh, it's also like, you know, he doesn't do as much. For instance, like, when they first pick Neo up, he just drives and Switch is the one who gets to like point the gun at him. Yeah. And I honestly cool feel like APOC was written into the script because for like the good rule of threes for when Cypher's pulling out everybody's head jacks, <laughs> they just needed the first one and it needed to be the lowest stakes guy to yeah, kill. So they just rewound a- it. They re they like <laughs> they rewrote they in and rewrote him in. Because yeah, I mean, APOC is, I mean, he is the least interesting yeah. of the team, but he, he does. He he's does there shoot to that, die. He does shoot that submachine gun and turn it sideways. That's uh, cool. That is kind of cool. Because you gotta. I mean, like That's throw him thing. a scrap. You know. I mean, he's not amazing, but everything is still cool. You know who else gets nothing to do, but was so visually distinct? Was I, I can't even remember her name already. Switch. I'm blank. Switch. Thank you. In, in white. Yeah, yeah she's, she's great. She's cool. She says not like this. Yeah, she that, says that, not like this. That is the that line, line everyone knows. <laughs> Everybody loves that she's line. She's in white leather. She and says she, not like this. Also, she, <laughs> also she's she, in like a white power. She's like Swiss <laughs> or something. She has that yeah. slight accent. Yeah, yeah. She, she looks so a little cool. bit like Robin. She does look a little bit. She like does. Robin. Yeah, she's just in the corner watching you kiss her. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not like this. Uh, I, we should end, Rosh. <laughs> wait, I'm, I'm looking up. Where, where is it? Come on. Uh, oh, my God. Wait. Switch is also Australian. Hell yeah. Uh, that sounds right. Okay, wait. So she's Australian. Obviously, Mouse is Australian. Instead of not uh, like this, she should have gone, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, guys. A- 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 APOC. <laughs> Good junk. Guys, APOC is from New Zealand. Is he a Maori? Uh, is he going to yes. do the haka and scare yeah. us? <laughs> he, um, he, he's in the most famous... Uh, well, hey, Mark. For a long time... He's in the most famous New Zealand movie of the 90s. Uh, Once Were Warriors. Classic. Uh, the, uh, the the Lee Tamahari movie uh, that was um, Tamora Morrison's like breakout film. Mm. Okay. All of those words. APOC is yeah, a... Tamora Morrison, he wanted, he, I mean, he's, he's probably best known for being Django Fett. And then oh. all the clone troopers and the Star oh, Wars prequels. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I, I know yeah. that. <laughs> I then, know Django. And then he got to be Aquaman's dad. <laughs> well, I know Django though. I saw Aquaman on a plane. <laughs> no, you were, didn't you watch the person next to you watch it? <laughs> <laughs> so you silently Completely watched silent. the I get the fucking gist though. <laughs> <laughs> he find a crab. He got a crack in or something. <laughs> yeah, you do get the gist, dude. I'm That's why complicated. <laughs> you do get the gist. Yeah, he just rides porn. Yeah, freaking por- porn. Good old porn. Just, just straddling porn. Me and dolphin porn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, that I'm is good. I'm also, also it, pornographic <laughs> material. Listen, oh to be very clear, we wrote a song about Aquaman years <laughs> ago. As in, like, well, Jake wrote it. We performed it. Look it up. But uh, yeah. but there was a uh, he has a pet dolphin named Porm. Yeah. And so Jake wrote the line this, to the tune of the song California, the oh, OC yeah. theme song. So think about me and dolphin Phantom Porm Planet. battling with Orm, riding on my seahorse Storm. Me and Dolphin Poem battling, battling with Thorn. It's all Riding done. on my seahorse storm. land is here we come. All right. Okay, okay guys. Hey, listen. Ocean. Ocean. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, oh my God, sirens outside. They're going to arrest us for podcasting for too long. The city of crime. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? We're only, only two and a half hours. They um, start stepping out towards my building. There's an Agent Smith with them. Okay, no, wait. You go um, up there, your men are already dead. <laughs> Okay, actually, another question I want to I want to throw out another, another one of those things that I never really questioned or thought about watching yeah. this movie. Uh, so you know, after they rescue Morpheus and then they yeah. do the crazy move where Trinity jumps out of the helicopter and then the helicopter hits the building oh. and the glass ripples and you yeah. get that insane Fantastic. shot where it just explodes behind her. Yeah, yes. it's it's fucking it. That's so good. Right, and it's also like sick. They. I remember like reading about how they like had to like find the specific kind of glass that would ripple like water because it was like a miniature. Oh, like, it's not just CGI. I was so no. sure those ripples were CGI. No, it's like it's 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 a miniature helicopter like hitting like this glass building. No, whoa, I didn't know. That's that. actually wrong. I heard, <laughs> <laughs> and I read from. Are you sure uh, it was truthhunters.com? <laughs> okay, but so, but here's the thing, and then Trinity climbs up. And Morpheus says, "Do you believe it now, Trinity?" Mm. And um, and then like you got Tank there, and he's like, "He's the one." Yeah. What is it specifically there that confirms he's the one? Because when I I remember when I first saw this movie, I completely misinterpreted something in this scene. Interesting. I think he's the. <laughs> I just dropped glass. <laughs> I think he's the one, and it rippled like the hell when the helicopter hits the building. I think uh, Neo is the one. Because one of my favorite shots in the entire movie happens, and I just think every character realizes it. There's that dope shot where the music is cued and it's at that perfect moment. The helicopter is moving towards the building in slow motion, and Keanu, everything's slow motion. Keanu's holding Carrie Ann Moss, who's swinging away out of the helicopter towards the building, and just everybody, like through ESP or whatever got that mental image all stuck in their heads at the same time, and they realized how dope this was, and only the one could have been that I dope. I thought they were just reading the code. That, too. Interesting, because when I was a child, yeah. and I misinterpreted this scene, so the explosion happens, and then you see Trinity hit glass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I... But then the thing is, the, uh, the flames are all, like, reflected on the glass. When I saw this originally... I thought what was happening there was Keanu being the one was creating like a wall of glass between her and the explosion to like oh, wow. protect her. That's wild. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. And then I look at it again. I'm like, oh, no, that's just like the other building. That yeah. She's yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like that. I, I realized this years and years ago. I think I, it's just that he was willing to grab a rope with a helicopter's weight attached to it for a small moment. Which meant he believed. That's yeah. I, I, see, I was also... Looking at this again, I'm like, is it just the fact that he pulled, that he did all of this that yeah. he was able to, you know, 
get like shoot all the agents, catch Morpheus, drop Morpheus in the right place, save Trinity. There is everyone just like you're so good at all of this. Yeah, you must be the like, one. Damn, I mean, homie. I think that's a reasonable conclusion. Yeah. yeah. I just, wanted, I just wanted to say, because it's not like he does some singularly impossible thing right no. there. Can I ask you a question, Pat? Because I think this is one flaw in the movie yeah. in this particular moment that I always found funny. I feel like they linger on the shot where uh, Trinity's bump just bumping against the... And the, she pelvic bumps the glass once and then again. And I'm like, they should have cut the shot before she, her, she like humps the glass. I basically. agree. I agree. I've, it's it's a, weird. It just so, looks goofy. It looks like she's just like... And pull me up, please. Yeah, she's hanging like the stunt guys I'm have hanging. to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you're, you're saying they should give back that editing Oscar because of this shot. Yeah, I think I, I'm not only should they give back the editing Oscar, I think that editor should have been exiled to an <laughs> island somewhere in the middle of the Pacific. Take that, Zach. Tomato, Stanford. tomato. Yeah. You say exiled. I say <laughs> Honestly, executed. The thing is, I, I know the shot that you mean so well. Yeah. I also... Don't they linger on that a little well, bit? No, no, well, yes, but here's, here's the thing. I have never looked at her as like her... like pelvic bumping the glass though i always liked them holding on it because it's like letting out a breath like all of that just like let's just sit for like, like we don't need to immediately let, like cut into the next thing it's just for, for me it was basically just like letting out like a breath <sighs> after all of that stuff i'm with He's you the though one. i'm with yeah. you though i see what you mean that, i see it, both points i, it, I find it, it's the shot like, a little it's just awkward. like a, a a timing thing like the rhythm of the movie that's it. Yeah. I, I always kind of liked is the rhythm of, of the movie. movie. <laughs> uh, I always kind of liked just how she just hangs for a second, and like, because she probably after going through all that is probably not just like, wait, gonna climb up. Let's 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 keep going. She's probably so like, if oh. I was a Wachowski, yes, I would have done it differently. Yeah, I would have probably would have done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I would have written. I can imagine movie. quite a few things that would be different about <laughs> the you. Jake Tricks. First of all, is what it would be called. Change so the don't one. get it twisted, Jake Tricks. I. Uh, Throwing this out there for... And it's about I, how it's I, illusion that you guys think I'm lame. I'm fucking sweet. <laughs> Wait, and it's I, code I, I, that you're seeing. <laughs> guys, I'm throwing this out there for all of our, our listeners. Anyone go to Photoshop? Idiots. <laughs> Look, if someone What's up, fo- sheeple? I'm actually cool. If, if someone photoshopped Kangaroo Jake, someone please photoshop the Jake tricks. And make yeah. me all three characters. Morpheus, Trinity, Neo. You say Maleficus? <laughs> no, I said Morpheus. Make me Maleficent as well. <laughs> yeah. Because I also throw that I like in there. that energy too. Yeah, <laughs> and I have seen neither of those movies, Mistress of Evil or the original. <laughs> hey, look, but Jake, you are such a Mistress of Evil. Yeah, that is no, no, true. Like, more like, more like, please have to pee so bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you're more like a Mister of Evil. Yeah, yeah, that's Jake. right. Jake, Jake, Jake Hefficent, Mister of Evil. <laughs> Does anyone oh want to say more things about the Matrix? This movie is so good. I don't know what to add to this. this yeah, is, I just enjoy this movie. It's great, and we thoroughly. It's already a beefy ass episode, and you're gonna get two more. Yeah. So, and they'll be weird because those other movies are weirder, and they are not as perfect as this one. So, there's a lot to talk. Yeah, about. this movie is yeah. just fucking sick. As I've yeah. been saying, it sticks. It sticks an insane landing. It's just one of the those airtight things where yeah. you look at all of it it holds up so well it's honestly wild how a lot of things in it haven't been improved yeah it's like true man why hasn't hollywood like been able to make like a better fight scene than that subway fight you'll only the only thing that will happen is like the robots will like have more detail like that's right, the only but thing but that's they won't improved. look as cool yeah it's kind of true yeah it's like yeah the, be, that door will fly guys, more believably I'm, 
what yeah. one of the things one of the like the announcements about the the fourth movie that made me the happiest was that Jeff Darrow and Steve Scrooge are both back designing all the yeah, shit. Yeah, my boys. It's great. They're they're getting the team back together. Yeah, and, and I got to say nice. if anyone like next time you're at a comic convention, especially one of the big ones, uh it is a thing that has always blown my mind is that like I'll be like at New York Comic Con walking through Artist Alley and so often Jeff Darrow one of like the most impressive comic book artists ever also the guy who designed everything in the Matrix will just have a table there and he'll have yeah. just like his portfolio of original artwork and obviously like I can't afford anything there but you just go over and He's just a chill guy and you can talk to him and then you can see like, oh, wait, there's like designs for the Matrix, like his like original drawings that are right there. Yeah. And I'm just like, he shouldn't be here just at a table. (laughs) I I should have to like pay to like. He should be behind a glass partition. This This is just classic old school Pat still thinking that you need some sort of special hall pass to get somewhere. Yeah. I just leave Comic Con because I'm like there must be like a like a, a rule that I don't understand. I'm probably not allowed to be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not good enough. This seems the crazy. Comic-Con I feel must like be I, rated I NC should 17. be in jail. I think probably for just <laughs> for trespassing. Exactly. So the things that I want you to take with you after this episode are that The Matrix is a, a real great movie and it's worth watching over and over and over and over again. And also that I was a really cool, chill person that everyone loved hanging out with always and uh and i'm just fun and younger me was also fun yeah this never is, forget it this is this is the this is the only movie where i can say definitively and it and i and i don't think i can say this even for the bill and ted movies where keanu feels absolutely essential like nobody else works it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful intricate design of happenstance and yeah, and craftsmanship and yeah. Just, even in Bill and Ted, which is one of his biggest career definers of just what he would be, like I could probably come up with like three or four other guys that could do stoner a silly comedy, stoner yeah. dude. Yeah, like the Matrix. It's it's just it's only him. He's the one. It, He's and, the one. Mm-hmm. It, and it's also it's one of those things. It's like it's just like. His his general presence, yeah. Uh, it is the his kind of performance and just his yep. approach to acting. It is him physically, yeah. And uh, and just like the way he moves, the way he looks. There aren't many people who would look cooler with a a trench coat just walking into that lobby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it it rules. Yeah, and uh, and I will say also, um, I have mixed feelings about the recent. Um, 4K transfer and the new color grade. Uh, I think some of the exterior scenes look a little bit blown out. Some of the colors seem a little bit off. And um, that's a controversial opinion. I kind of like the uh, the heavy green tinted 2003 remaster that a lot of people are mm. not so crazy about. Really? Too green for a lot of people, huh? Too green for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of dig it, I gotta say. But um, anyway, I've got a lot of feelings about all of this stuff. Yeah. No, leave them with the good color grading take. Wait. Last thing I want to ask you guys. Yeah. Do you have a, a single favorite um, fight move? I know we, we've already, uh, other than, than the throat flick. I love Smith slamming, instead of just getting up, slamming both his fists. It, I love the... F- that's dumb, pretty good. I love that's pretty fight. good. I love the dumb physics of that. <laughs> well, also, the way the camera Doo-doo moves dumb. with yeah. him. It's like it's attached to him. Right. It like, just tilts up. Yeah. Yeah, damn, that's a good one. The Smith punch up. Um, 
Yeah, I fuck, man. That's a good question, and I wish I had more time to think about it. I can go first if you want. Yeah, you go. Let me think a little more. Okay, so mine, part of it has to do with uh, the moment right before it. It's after they're, they've set off the bomb yeah. in the government lobby, and it explodes and the sprinklers go off, and Smith goes, find them and destroy them. Right. And then it cuts to Neo doing this quadruple kick against these two guys just like yeah. bam 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 like kicking their heads yeah and it was like getting your foot that high and angling your body that way and it's just like the the cut from the bad guys to just him just like doing this like quadruple kick on all their heads i'm just like i love it <laughs> like that, that what a beautiful transition okay i got one um the end of the movie when neo, when the neo is fully the one he sees all of the code he uh, kicks fucking Agent Smith so far down the hallway, and oh his God. leg stays up. Yeah, they cut okay. back to him, and his leg is still up. And then you and see then it, he puts it down. But then he like pivots his body back. <laughs> yeah, and like he look. It's so has anyone else funny. tried to do that? Because I years ago I definitely tried to do that and could not even come close. I've been trying to open my hips like that for a year and a half now, <laughs> and it hasn't worked. <laughs> So oh, boy. kudos, Keanu. And do you know that? So you know how Keanu had uh, that neck injury right before they shot the movie. How right. like if you see like the behind the scenes footage of him training, he's got a neck brace on for a lot yeah. of this, and that meant for a lot of the choreography, they had to limit the amount of kicks he could do because right. kicks weren't good for him. Yeah. So it's wild to me that this is a guy who like had had this massive injury. They were like, let's not put too many kicks in there. And yet the kicks that he has are like the most insane. Yeah. Kicks. yeah like the most kicky kicks you can we'll do. do one kick, but it'll be the most extra kick you've ever seen. And it'll hurt your neck so bad. All right. Yeah. Okay. On that note, we should end this episode. Yeah. Okay. Guys, we did it. We did, we did it. We did it. We, we talked about the matrix. I feel good about it. Me yeah. Too. I feel good. It's a lovely movie. Yeah, a, a lovely film. Can't wait for number four. But before that, we get to that. We got two and three to talk about. <laughs> oh boy, more Matrix coming your way soon. More thank, Matrix. Thank you, Ooh, Robert, for our theme song. Thank you to Emma Logsdon for our artwork. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Keanu Podcast. Jake and Matt post more on those. Um, also, also, hey, social media, <laughs> do it. Do I don't also Matt write the episode descriptions. I don't yes. ask much of you. Yes, sir. Um, okay, uh, you talk about these episodes on our subreddit r slash Thrillums. Jake, you want to plug anything? Um, uh, self quarantine if you have like flu symptoms. And while you're quarantined, lots of time to maybe rate and review this podcast. It, it helps yeah, us while, out. <laughs> while you're uh, full of illnesses. Exactly. Yeah. Don't write go to a, work. Write us a good review about how the torpedoes are funny. <laughs> yeah. And do I don't that. burp that much. Yeah. You do that and be excellent to each other. Bye bye. Hey folks, Patrick here with a quick announcement. I wanted to let you all know that after this episode, the show is going to go on a break. Yes, another one, and yes, it sucks. We're all doing fine, but the current situation, with us all on lockdown, has made it tough to continue our regular recording plans. Whenever this ends, we'll be back better than ever, probably with very long beards. This is obviously a very weird time for everyone, and we hope you understand. We're going to try to find a way to make some bonus material to tide you over. If you have anything you'd like to see or hear, you can reach us via email or social media. So stay safe, everyone, and please, more than ever, be excellent to each other.